Hey, what's up? It's Zen here. Thanks for listening to Breaking North. Quick thing before we get to the show, please consider subscribing to our Patreon. It's patreon.com slash breaking north. That's patreon.com slash breaking north. Any amount helps us. And here is the show. <laughs> I finally got Thomas on the show. Thomas Penderson. Am I saying that right? Pedersen. Pedersen. Okay, it's got actually, a D. Yeah, but actually, you've actually said it better than... People say Peterson. That's yeah. Like the, I've heard I've heard it said like ninety different ways. Yeah, totally. It's so. like a, it's a whole thing. I'm kind of like just used to it. <laughs> yeah, you're like you're like whatever. Oh my god, it's all good. Yeah, when I when I introduce myself at, at restaurants, sometimes when I'm going yeah. to serve, people are like Zach. I'm like, yeah, totally. It's, <laughs> that's I just don't want to. And then when people finally hear my name, they're like, oh Zen, and I'm like, oh here we go. Here we go. Yeah, they're like, that's such a cool name. Were your parents hippies? Like how did you get that name? I'm like, uh, it's, a, it's a whole thing. It's a whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just kind of roll with it now. It depends on my mood. Yeah. Definitely if I'm like in this like weird, tired mood and someone's like, so Mr. Peterson, and I'm like, it's Pedersen. It's Pedersen. It's <laughs> and they're like, oh, Pedersen, I'm so sorry. <laughs> yeah. Especially when you're getting subpoenaed or all that stuff. Oh, God. Um, let's get in. Let's get into something. Uh, this <laughs> this uh, this whole podcast is very last minute. He, you were just on a month long What'd you call it? Sabbatical? It's sabbatical. Okay. Yeah, which is like a fancy way of saying a paid time off. Yeah. That you do cool stuff on. What'd you do? I just went to the Sierras and basically my friend Andrew, uh, the executive director of Indexical, calls it my hermit mode. Because I just like literally don't talk to anybody. Like I just... Uh, find ways of just being by myself like when i was back in town i just hung out at like the capitol library it was great just drew every day and wrote every day and how often do you do this it's like once a year sort of thing or is this like this no, is this kind of a, kind newer of a thing. new thing I, I i don't think i would have ever been in a place to be able to take a paid time off kind of thing you know mm-hmm. um but this year i had some support um from some organizations and like it kind of got triggered because of some kind of emotional thing and physical uh, thing, and I was like, okay, I gotta, I gotta like take care of myself. So For I, your own well-being. Yeah. So this sabbatical is less like, because some people take a sabbatical and they go off and they go to Europe and they like study their topic of interests or whatever. Um, for me, it was more of just like, how do I get back in touch with? like who I am, my authentic self, and making sure I'm like showing up in the world in a way that is like with integrity, you know, that I feel like I'm actually doing the things I want to, <laughs> you know? Yeah, you, you got to be there for yourself before uh, anybody else, really. Uh, yeah, and I thought I knew that, but I, I my life, uh, no, I did not know that, like clearly in my life. So yeah, I'm trying to practice that. Yeah, and uh, okay, so I guess we should say something. Uh, so you you have two you have two things. You have uh, you have your music school mm-hmm. and you have your podcast. Right. Um, let's first talk about the music school. Yeah. Uh, how did that come about? You play a bunch of different instruments, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like so all of them. <laughs> right. <laughs> not not all of them in the sense, like literal sense. Um, but I do play. I've I've kind of dabble with instruments a lot um so since pretty young age i like first instrument 
ironically was guitar, but I didn't, like, I didn't, like, shred or anything like that, you know, I was just, like, learned it, and but then I fell in love with the drums, and the drums were, like, totally my, it's definitely, like, my, the instrument of my heart, you know, mm. whenever music comes on, the first things I hear is the beat and, like, how it's being done and everything like that, you know, that's kind of, like, where my heart is and then I recently in when I was 20 uh I like obsessively learned the piano so I spent eight hours a day every single day if not longer to be honest uh learning the piano like my my home was this little studio about the size of this room and there was no bed there was a drum set and a, a keyboard and I just like rolled out a yoga mat whenever I went to bed and I just practiced. And if I wasn't practicing, I literally put on headphones of classical pieces that I had to learn the next day um, on repeat when I went to bed. It was pretty bad. It was a pretty obsessive time. I mean, I loved it, but. Are you, you know. usually, are you obsessive about most things in your life or was that like kind of like your big thing? I think, you know, when you're in your 20s, you're kind of, I think you're kind of learning about yourself right you're learning more about who you are in this world and I think I definitely have shown those obsessive tendencies in the past but having something like piano and having that connection with an instrument really brought that out in me you know it really brought it out in the sense of uh, learning that and so like I learned piano and then I learned didgeridoo um, and you were the didgeridoo guy I was the didgeridoo guy at first in Santa Cruz yeah uh, I would like literally go up and down pacific avenue uh at the times their rules were a lot lax um and i i and i know this for a fact and you pushed them i pushed them um <laughs> with 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 my friends you know so uh at first it was just like i just go to like every spot that you can play mm-hmm. and i'd max out the hour right and it's not amplified so Technically, I wasn't breaking any rules, and I would make hundreds of dollars because they're just big, big group of people. And I'd be like doing didgeridoo and like didgeridoo dance music with a cajon and a didgeridoo playing at the same time. You know, it's like kind of like a circus act kind yeah. of vibe. You know, um, and then what happened was my friend Danny Fernandez and Angela I'm blinking our last name and a bunch of other artists would set up around me, and so we would like start moving together up and down mm. Pacific Avenue. And that's when the rules started going crazy because it was like you got this pretty much like little mini market type of deal just moving totally legally mm-hmm. up and down Pacific Avenue. And the business owners were like, they're taking our customers. Oh, that stupid didgeridoo guy again. You know, yeah. kind of like this kind of, you know, it, it's understandable. I mean, I was I was put every day, you know, or then it became the weekends when I started doing the obsessive piano thing. Um, and... That's how I made money, and uh, yeah, that's good money. Yeah, and I and I picked up like I've tried playing saxophone. I played a little violin. I played some cello. I played some tuba, like all these different things. I worked at a horn shop, so I had like those instruments access access yeah. accessible. And I was, I just wanted to. I was curious. I wanted to be a. I wanted to be a more of a film composer, and, and I did do some film composing, and. I wanted to learn about all the different instruments so that I can compose for them. And know? when you told people this at the time, what was what was people's reaction? What what did people think? What do you mean? Told people what? When I mean, so I, I'm instantly fast forwarding now. You yeah. uh, now you have 
very legit business. You have employees and all this stuff. <laughs> like, what were people think? Because you were just like, I'm, I'm obsessing. I'm gonna put a yoga yeah. mat in my room. I'm gonna do music. Yeah. Uh, and I'm the didgeridoo guy. Yeah. And what were, you don't seem like uh, phased by what people may think of you did you oh i see what you're saying like, yeah. what, what what did people kind of perceive me yeah. as or something were you just like more in the hippie community that oh yeah so it was kind of weird the didgeridoo thing kind of was like this weird transition time like before that i kind of jumped into this hippie scene when i moved to santa cruz i moved to santa cruz when I was around 18 and i and i um pretty much just jumped into that hippie scene i like was going to this one house this was before, like, maca and chia seeds were on the shelves in uh, Whole Foods. Like, if there was, it was, like, very rare and raw cacao. So, like, to get those products, you had to go to these weird cooperatives, you know? And so, like, there was this cooperative in Santa Cruz that I would always go to. And I remember the first day, I remember the first day I went there because I knocked on the door. And it was, like, this big old Burning Man bus next to it. There was, like this beautiful garden, you know, and I go up and I knock on the door and this guy comes up and he like has the widest eyes I've ever seen and just staring me like super eye contact and was just like, hello, brother. (laughs) I was like, oh God, what is (laughs) happening? You know, and uh, he brought me in and I bought like, you know, chia seeds or whatever. I was like really into superfoods at the time. And, you know, that kind of threw me into that scene because he started playing tabla mm-hmm. and i always wanted to learn tabla because of tool uh the the drummer of danny, K- danny oh, yeah. Carey, you know and uh and i also was in a band in hollister in high school that was like a bunch of people who were older I mean, they're like all college people and um but they had the, the main guy was this guy with a long didgeridoo and, and it was just like i was playing djembe there was a drummer there was like a there's like even a saxophone it was a really weird band it was like an experimental kind of band and i remember always wanting to learn the didgeridoo so when i was walking through downtown santa cruz i saw a big old didgeridoo on a sign Uh and i was like i need to go there and i went in and i bought like a pvc didgeridoo at this shop downtown santa cruz that's no longer there yeah (laughs) you know but yeah and so i guess to me it's like been like a path of curiosity like my whole mm-hmm. life you know it's been like oh i'm so curious about this and so getting into didgeridoo and tabla and um you know doing that whole deal was definitely a hippie scene thing um, but when i started doing it on the street it was kind of this weird transition i was kind of like i was kind of over it you know mm-hmm. i was kind of over the disingenuous disingenuous genuineness i was seeing in the community and I was just like, I just want to be real, you know, and, uh, really yourself. Yeah. And that's just, you know, you learn about that, but in the past that was like kind of the reason why I wanted to kind of separate and kind of go on my own way. And, and it was fine, you know, and I started playing up and down Pacific Avenue and I had my little group of friends would get tea afterwards at the tea house. And, uh, I love that spot. Yeah. You know, Still. And, yeah, it was, yeah. At the time they had this, um, like, like, I don't know, $1 bowl of pu'er. And it was like this big old bowl of, full of puer. Um, and I'd go in with like change and like big old ones and 20s and yeah. shit. And just like, here you go to um, David. And so it was it was a good, good experience, you know. Um, and people, yeah, definitely associated me with like kind of more of that hippie scene, uh-huh. you know. And, you know, it was fine. I really, to be honest, I just, 
I didn't really care as much. You know what I mean? Mm. I kind of was just like, "This is me. This is yeah." I'm you know? just I'm doing this thing currently. I feel like I was so in it, like <laughs> um, that I just kind of forget that there's people judging me. Yeah, stuff, you know. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know if that answers the question. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you just didn't care, which is great. Um, so I guess so you moved. You said you moved here when you were 18. Yeah. From where? Hollister. From Hollister, yeah, <laughs> yeah. okay. That's where your family was. That's, yeah. That's where you grew up for the most part? I would say I, would, I was raised in Hollister. That's what I say. And um, because I was born, I wasn't born in Hollister, but, and I moved around a lot before I was even uh, like eight or seven or something. Uh, then I moved a lot in Hollister after that. But, um, so, but Hollister was kind of where all my memories of, you know, elementary school and junior high and high school are, so. What was it like growing up there? What were the people like? What was your family like? I mean, Holsters, like? I, I went there the other day, and uh, just because I, I wanted to take a drive, and I was, you know, on the sabbatical, and I was like, why not? And it's changed dramatically, right? It was like, the high school looks like a college. There's tons of buildings, like, um, but for the most part, when I was raised, there was just, like, blank fields, right? Just, like, it's a farm town, you mm-hmm. know? There's, like, suburbs, and then there's just, like, straight-up blank, like, open lots, you know, that are now parks or apartments or whatever. And there wasn't really much to do, right? There was, like, a Target and a Staples and a McDonald's and, like, you know, the kind of, like, big brand names. Mm-hmm. Not There were some, like, local establishments, like a hobby store or something like that, but mainly most of the stuff in there are, like, you know, Kmart or, you know, the bigger name franchises. And so what you would do when you're a crazy child uh, would, like, run around in Target. That was, like, or go ride ride your weird BMX-type bike in, like, some random field with hills, you know, or get in trouble at there's this... um, kind of like this golf community where it has like houses and golf courses and you know you're kind of wealthy people lived over there and I had some friends who lived over there and we would just they had their own private security and so we would end up just end up getting in like so much trouble just running around running away from these stupid security guards you know um just for fun I mean sometimes it was like we're just we were totally up to no good you know and Oop, there's a security guard, and we're like, let's get out of here, you know, and then they're just, like, it's kind of funny thinking back at it, because they're just driving these golf carts, like, with flashlights, like, get back here, these, you know, they're usually old people, you know, and you're just, like, you know, running through these things, but yeah, it was, like, a total small town existence, right, it was just, like, parties, and, like, um, there wasn't, it just wasn't really, uh, much to do you know and so you just kind of had to figure and this was kind of before this was before smartphones and stuff like that so you weren't just like stuck looking at a phone or we had video games so i'd play halo you know what i mean with people i sucked at it that's you know that's why I'm i did the a, same thing and i was never good i was never that's why i'm not a video game person mm-hmm. to be honest was like all my friends started getting into video games and i was like i was when i was younger like really young like spyro and all these weird like playstation games or whatever and uh but when it came to, like, I don't know, high school or whatever, like, uh, no, it wasn't, it wasn't, uh, 
I wasn't good and I didn't really care about getting good. Like uh-huh. I'd rather just like go out and party or paintball or something because we had like people had paintball guns and stuff. It was like a really weird. It was a very hick. It's very like Republican town too. Yeah. So you got like a lot of Hispanic folks. You got a lot of um, right wing. Republican folks, and then you got some like gang activity a lot. So like our schools would be closed down randomly because of gang stuff, and that was like a very common thing. I don't know if it is anymore, but it was very common then. It was just kind of like, oh, they're gonna, we got a report that they're gonna drive by and shoot everyone wearing red. So and school colors are red and white. So you know, like we, <laughs> we gotta close. We yeah. gotta we gotta close down the street and close down everything. You know, um, and you would see fights a lot, but. It was, it was like a, it was very interesting. I was like definitely the only brown or black person, one of the only black people out of like maybe a handful of them, you know, and, I, and the other one was in a band with me, you know, and so it's, it was, it was, I mean, to be honest, I kind of think back of it, at it with, with, uh, with love a little bit. I mean, there was some like crazy shit, you know, but it's kind of nice being raised in a time when like, still you're not like technology isn't so pervasive in your life we still had technology you know but it's just not as not as i wouldn't i wouldn't really want to be raised now you know i don't think i would be able to handle like the ipads and the cell phones and like having all that information at the palm of your hand constant bombardment you know like we had flip phones you know we had like instant messenger at the at home but you didn't have it on your phone, you know. You, yeah. you know, you, it's like. I remember the offline thing for Instant Messenger, and that's just not a thing anymore. You're always no. expected to respond. Yeah, like to everything. It's like uh, you're expected, like emails, for instance. Just like you'd go home, and like you would go on the email or whatever. Um, but now it's like people expect you to respond to emails like you respond to text messages, you mm-hmm. know, or phone calls, and you're just like, that's eh, not gonna happen. Yeah. You know? <laughs> no. Yeah, you know, that's not going to happen. But yeah, I think it was good. It was, uh, I would say it was good being raised in Hollister. You know, definitely a lot of shit, but I think it, it it's so built. It's a unique little town. Yeah, it was. And How, like, why'd your parents move there? Oh, oh, they moved Because my mom was a commuter. Um, she got, she was used to commuting places, and it was a perfect spot. Like, my dad, I think, worked in, like, Salinas or you know, Morgan Hill, like, his his family owned a business with a bunch of different locations, and so he would be the manager at one sometimes and another at sometimes, I don't really know specifically, but it was, it was like a cheap spot, that you could get, a, like, a nice home there, you know, at the time, and it was like, you can commute easily to really anywhere, my mom worked at Monterey, you know, and so... I think they moved there because it was like supposed to be like a family town, uh-huh. and then my dad is uh, definitely uh, more Republican um, understatement, but my mom is more like politically not a thing, you know. Um, so it's it was kind of it kind of fit, you know, kind of fit their kind of aesthetic of mm-hmm. like practicality and like we can raise a family here and still go to work and everything is good yeah and you were so you're playing music at the time and just that just kind of living 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 the life in Hollister yeah I mean I was in a I was in a band called Africo yeah. 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was started because uh, my friend Nate. I, I was playing. I would. <laughs> I was into the hippie thing in high school for some reason. Um, but I was playing like djembe all over this high school, and um, this one Hispanic man who plays guitar like came or her kid really at the time came up to me and was like, like hey like. I mean, I need a band, like, and he had a really strong accent, and I was like, sure, you know, like, let's talk about it, and then he brought together Nate, who was the lead singer, who's the other black guy in, in town, and he was like, su Nate's a super good singer, he's like an R&B vocalist, and just can sing over anything, I've jammed with him, like, like so, two years so ago, uh, I mean, you know, he's kind of like this guy where you just, like, he's, like, living his life, and you call him up, like, hey, would you be down to, like, come down and sing? He's like, sure, like, why not? And he comes down, he still fucking rocks it, you know? Wow. And it doesn't, like, I don't think he practices or anything like that, but... Just in him. He just good. Well, he was trained in the choir, uh, you know? So he's kind of, like, at a young age, so mm -hmm. it's kind of, like... He just, just sticks with you. And he writes the most beautiful stories, like, and he, he'll just sing over... And I, I remember playing, like, all this, like, tonal jazz, like, recently, and he's just saying... He doesn't know how to read any music. He just sings all over the place. And I was like, damn. That's <coughs> crazy. But, yeah, we were in a band of Africa. And then I, um, near the end of my high school life, I was still in Africa. And we were, like, went through bass players, like, insane. There's arguments and all the fun stuff that comes with bands, you know. And then, um, but we, like, won the first battle of the bands there against a band who was, like, always winning. And we kind of came out of nowhere, you know. And everyone was like, what the? is this you know we had a very unique sound bunch of different characters when we built it up we had a guitarist who was like more like country like folky stuff and we had a i was a drummer um the keyboardist like knew nothing about reading music really but he like loved like obscure metal stuff with like you know a lot of synthy stuff so you like just try to do everything by ear and it sounded great and the singer was like R&B vocalist. That's bad. It's quite the mix. Yeah, and I'm just like this. I love like emo shit, I guess. Um, and so I was just coming in. Like who? Who are you listening to at the time? I don't know. Like the Used, My Chemical Romance, Coheed and Cambria, like uh, Rise Against. You know, yeah. Slipknot. Even mm -hmm. you know all the things. Um, pretty much anything like Hot Topic was like. You know, <laughs> hot topic out. shit. Yeah, you know, and so like, you know, it was it was uh, so I was kind of just like I have such an eclectic taste. You yeah, know? you do. So it seems like you have like chapters of your life too, where you're just like really really into something for a hot second, and then you dive deep, and then it's just part of you for. Yeah, it's kind of ridiculous, and uh, so yeah, that was kind of the end, and then I got into that weird obscure band with my old drum teacher who was the one who led it and uh, where I was playing djembe and there was a didgeridoo player and a saxophone player and you know everyone was really inspired by uh, Godspeed You Black Emperor and um, Sigur Rios and like all that kind of post-rock kind mm -hmm. of stuff and so that was really fun I like that I'd, I'd like to do that again but with keys I think you know, that'd be cool kind of weird post-rock experimental deal sounds really fun yeah, do it, do it. Whenever, you, whenever you get the time. Probably someday, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. So fast forward. So you did your did the Santa Cruz thing. So you started teaching lessons. Oh yeah. At what point? Yeah. So. In my life is kind of in the beginning has been always like psychology or music. That was kind of mm -hmm. like my thing. 
Did you go to school for psychology? Uh, did I, you go to school? Yeah, I mean, I didn't graduate. <laughs> you know, but like <laughs> you I... You did uh, it. But I've been and took like a shit ton of classes. And basically, I was doing a lot of film composing and stuff, and I got burnt out because of um, drama with a music studio and stuff. And I was just like, I'm done with this. And so I just went to psychology land. Where I kind of didn't play piano, and then I went uh, and I worked as a mental health counselor for like a local residential facility kind of thing, you know, where I just help people with meds and talk with them and people with like schizoaffective disorders and stuff like that. And I did that for a couple of years, and um, but then the music bug came back. Mm-hmm. Uh, and hey, what'd was, you get out of that uh, that experience doing that? Man, I was so good at it. Like, like I mean, I'm just telling. I mean, I was so good at it. But like, my wife, she was my girlfriend at the time. But then I would come home with like, she'd be like, oh, like I had this like stressful day with this person, and I'd be like, yeah, I, I hear that. And then I'd be like, yeah, someone tried to come out with like a box cutter, and like we had to call the sheriff, and like you know, I had to get a thing, and then the, you know, I had to like do all this stuff. Like it was like I was getting used to crazy. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I was just getting used to like. Oh, yeah, one of my residents thought I was, like, an alien from this other thing and wanted me to probe him, and I had to be like, no. Like, it's kind of like this weird Every thing. day. But I was really good at it. I was good at counseling, and it's kind of like what I was trained to do, I, I think, from my mother. Um, mm. But, you know, it kind of, it moved. I kind of got the music bug again and really wanted to do composition, and so what ended up happening was, like, I started, like, kind of not like slacking off a little bit at the job and I could feel that but then at that kind of job you can't really slack off because you're dealing with medication right so I found myself being like oh like I almost (laughs) made this like really bad mistake you know and I was like okay I have to like back away so I got some job at a grocery store but during that time um, my grocery store involved going to like taking classes and private tutoring through music composition, right? Learning about like 20th century music, that kind of stuff. And and while I was doing that, I wa- reached out to a old colleague of mine uh, to see if they would want to trade, like music or like teach me like classical because they were really they were like the one of my classical teachers like best students when I was going to school before. They agreed. Um, and one day they asked if like I would be willing to take on a student that they didn't really want to take like do anymore. They wanted to kind of cut their load. They wanted to like kind of back away from that family. Um, I think the students were a bit difficult. Um, then she wanted to hand like want to deal with you know. Mm-hmm. And so I was like I don't really know if I could teach kids. You know I was like teaching adults. You know just randomly at the school, but really nervous about teaching kids and. The first, I was like, okay, I'll do it. And the first lesson I did, I realized, like, the counseling thing and all the other stuff I've been doing, it was just like, this is perfect. Like, it's easy. Like, oh, my gosh, like, this is, like, the most natural thing I've done. And it quickly blew up after that. Those fam- That family, the first family, like, recommended me to everyone. Like, put my name on their school boards. Like, pushed, pushed, pushed. And, um... I got a lot of students from one school <laughs> and um, and grew that from that. So uh, I slowly... Like started, how many? Ah, uh, man. I mean, 
at the time I was like, this is a lot, but it was like eight students, right? Or eight families. And like, you know, and they started growing up, growing to like nine families. And I was like, oh my gosh, like I'm making more money than this like grocery store gig I'm doing, right? And I'm like in music still. And so that's kind of what my idea was like, I want to stay in music um, while I do this composition route. And I just fell in love with it, man. Um, at the time, because it was really, they like really spoke to like the business sense of me and like the counselor and like kind of making a good imprint on the world kind of thing. Mm -hmm. The so, business sensing you wouldn't, so when did that sort of happen? Yeah, I mean, I guess that's when what happened. Um, I just kind of started to hustle, you know what I mean? Like, it was one of those obsessions. It became an obsession, you know, like I was working at the grocery store, and then I would go and drive. I'd have a day where i just drive to five people's homes, you know? And then, like, the literal act of driving to people's homes feels like you're doing a lot. You know what I mean? It you're does. like You feel like you're, like, hustling. You're going. You're doing something. You know, you're physically doing, going somewhere. And so I would, like, just, like, I'd, like, look up, like, what's the best way of teaching this? What's the best way? I would just, like, obsess over teaching, like, all day. I would, like, read. And I, I worked at that um, horn shop, which was also sell, sold music, sheet music and music instruction stuff. So in my head, I already knew all these different methods because, like, that's that shop was very slow. And so I'd be going through <laughs> and talking with the guy. We'd talk all the time and uh, looking through all these different methods. And I would try some out, you know, on the piano and everything. So... I knew already so many different methods existed, uh, and I knew what they kind of, their focus points were. So when I got a student, it was like a fun puzzle to be like, ooh, like kind of mix mix this method with that method to kind of get this thing perfect for this student, you know. And it became like a real obsession. It was a hustle. It was rewarding because I was making money, and I was building games and projects, and I was just doing. I was just always thinking about it. And that kind of vibe and when you put that kind of passion and energy into anything you are going to get results that's what I've learned through all my thing is like if you have passion and that focus like you can focus on something and really get like the whole picture of it and since I was already so drenched in music I already knew like if a kid just hit the piano I'm like there's whole compositions where they tell you to hit a piano in 20th century music you know so I'm like what's music you know and so mm -hmm. i'd like really work with the children build that trust because music is such a big thing and so really i started building this methodology and by the time i hit like 25 students I, or 20 students or something uh i just couldn't work at the grocery store you know i had like one day mm -hmm. um, on sunday and i was like i could use that to like well, it's like 20 hours plus driving yeah You'd be 30 minutes. Like, I always put 30 minutes between each lesson to get to wherever I need to get to, you know? And I would have lessons in Scotts Valley, then I'd have lessons in Aptos, I'd have lessons, like, all over Santa Cruz County, you know? Yeah. And, um... I did 15 minutes in between lessons, and I had my, <laughs> I had my motorcycle, so I was ripping. Yeah. So now yeah. I only do, like, Zoom. Yeah, you got... <laughs> And I was like, that was so dumb. Yeah, that was like 15 minutes. I would not, I would never do that. I was like, so like, I just need, if I get there early, that's fine. I'll just kick it for a bit. It won't be too early, but, um, and if I have extra time, I'll just use that as a break, you know, mm -hmm. but I would have a journal where I take notes on all my, I was really dedicated. I was a really dedicated teacher and looking back at it, I was like, holy crap, I was a dedicated teacher. You know, I was like every student had their own like, like 
packet that of notes. Yeah, I do. Uh, I do uh, for every single person. I do notes for every day. Yeah. So make sure I can pick up, and then if they kind of mention something, yeah, I'll be like, I'll make sure to like kind of do make something for that. Right. I'm and... still teaching much less than I used to. <laughs> yeah. So. <laughs> I mean, it's it's a it's a rough. It's sometimes a rough gig in the long haul. You know, it's like uh, teaching in general. Um, it's not a really a profession that. It's like a needed profession that is not. It should be rewarded more in our in our society, and so it, it's 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 a uh, burnout's real. Yeah. And so I burned out. You know what I mean? Like I I, but I didn't burn out yet. I got in. I got an investment to open up a space when I hit like thirty students, and they were just like, "Dude, we see you. Like, here's like fifteen thousand dollars to like open wow. up a space." Yeah. Did you apply for this uh, grant? No, this is a homie. This wow! Is just a, this is just a someone who felt the urge. It was total luck, and wow. um, and just saw how much I was working. You know what I mean? And like mm-hmm. someone who who comes from wealth and someone who you know wants to wanted wanted, to do something good. He wanted to do something good, and he saw something that I was doing, and it was like a what? Like uh, very? It was surprising to me, and yeah. I mean, a lot of money. Yeah, and I was like, okay. And so I got the Portola space, and I funded that. And then that allowed, that grew everything. Because then, you know, you literally don't have any time between lessons, right? You you went from 30 minutes between lessons. That limits your time significantly. Now it's just like back to back to back to back to back, back to back, you know? And Mm. then, um, yeah, it it uh, it was a growth. And then I, you know, kept growing and growing and, expanding now it's just it you know i don't teach anymore um but i have maybe like seven teachers now and uh a teacher and administrator which i really want to get her more support um but (laughs) it's on the to-do list it's a hustle it's just like fucking amazing uh genoa just yeah she's amazing and yeah we have a location in the Tanner Yard Center, and we just opened, or we're just opening a location, a shared location in Watsonville. Oh, shit. And we the have, third one. Yeah, and we're creating a community class and, like, a scholarship program, and we're going to do a teacher training stuff. There's just a bunch of stuff happening in that world, you know. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, that's kind of, like, the bullet points of how it took off. happened. It's crazy. It's still growing, too. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy for me, too, because I feel like I'm just, like, chilling and... It's like just it's, it's like a, it's an organic sort of. It's not me forcing anything really, you know. It's more just I think the podcast helped me like get into more community stuff. Yep. And so, well, let's go into that now. <laughs> what would you like to know? <laughs> uh, I guess where where did that start? I, I love this story. I, I, yeah. We've talked about it a few times, but for those who haven't heard, I mean, the podcast. Oh man, that po- that story is like so weird. Was it every Thursday of the? No, no, no the fourth. What was what, what day of the month? April fourth. April fourth. Yeah, that April was 4th, it. April fourth, twenty twenty. Um, so what happened? Yeah, pandemic happened. You know, and in what March? March thirteenth mm-hmm. uh, is when all the schools shut down. I remember because Friday the thirteenth. It's pretty easy to remember. Um, Didn't think of that, but that yeah, totally makes sense. Totally. Yeah. Wow. And so. Uh, and all the schools were like, we're announcing we're going to shut down on Monday. And so all the parents were like, we're taking our kids out on Friday. And um, and I remember being like, okay, I think it's time. We were going to have to transition to Zoom, you know. And so that whole weekend, I just, like, bought 
like webcams and microphones and train teachers into how to look how to learn I learned Zoom and then I had to train other teachers how to do Zoom and we went in and so like the all of March was just like this weird therapy like session on sessions on Zoom. It was like teaching kids lesson everyone's just like, What's going on? And we're just like we don't really know. We're like in our homes and like we have teachers using the studios or whatever, you know. Um and so like April came along uh, and we have a spring break, like the first through the seventh at the time. And I was like, okay, I was burnt out. I was feeling like, ugh, like this is not what I want to be fucking doing for the rest of my life. And I knew that when I started the school. I started the school, like this is a great hustle, but I knew, I knew in my heart of hearts that like this is not what I want. This is just the next step. Just something happened. You know what I mean? It's a something I need to do. Um, and so I, I I started just like waking up early, journaling, brainstorming, all this stuff. And on April 4th, like mid-break, I was like in the woods. I was reading a book. Um, and I just was like, I need to fucking change something. You know, I need to just, I don't know what to do, um, but I need to change something. Um, this is not working. You know, this is just not working. It's it's too much. It's this, it's that. And so I started, <laughs> I, uh, I started waking up at 5 or 4.30 a.m. every it's day. Um, it's too early for me. <laughs> and running uh, and exercising and doing like cold showers and uh journaling and then still doing lessons um when the spring break came back but i was doing that every single day and i have a bad knee and one of my friends who has a pool at his house was like hey you could use my pool if you want because i know you have a bad knee um and i don't want to see you like running all this thing and like hurt your knee and so I was using his pool to like get to his pool at 6 a.m. <laughs> and swim in his pool. And that was like the best workout ever, mm-hmm. ever. The pool, like I would do pool stuff all the time if, if I had the choice. It was just like so easy and fun and exhausting and great mm-hmm. at the same time. And, you know, one day his his wife, you know, we were just chatting at the side of the pool and I was like just venting and she was just like you know you should just try to start a podcast and I was like yeah and I've already been listening to a podcast that was sponsored by Anchor right and so I knew that Anchor you can create a free podcast like and you get all the tools and all this stuff so I already knew that that existed so I remember finding that podcast like literally right after that conversation I like went home found that podcast found Anchor started like just recording on an ipad in the bathroom horrible horrible like horrible. The worst sound yeah <laughs> right everything about that sentence was horrible yeah. you know and uh started r- ranting just for an hour i i tie myself and see if i could just talk for an hour about something um not planned at all just kind of like stillness like weird spiritual stuff at first and personal development stuff and I had a buddy who's a sound engineer who was like, hey, you should probably try this and this and this and this. And I was like, oh, of course. Like, why didn't I 
because I've done music recording and sound engineering in the past, but I never connected like, you know, my sound engineering random knowledge with like podcasting. And then next thing you know, I already had all the gear. I had the, I already had the SM58 that I use. I already had everything like the, I already knew how to pad a room. Interface. You know, I had the interfaces. I had everything, you know, already. So I just switched over and suddenly got way better. The quality got way better. And, um, maybe 20 episodes in or something i did my first interview and it was under string and chair that was the name of the podcast and uh i fell in love with interviewing i was like wow i learned so much from that and i like that was great that was amazing and so then i just started doing interviews and then kind of random talks here and there and i did it on every single day just like for how long thing i did i did that for like three months like every single day I mean, that's like 90 episodes. That's like what? Like, the, yeah, that was like a lot of episodes. Uh, and then I kind of like slowed down a lot. Um, but but it's just in that jump start, um, because like it was like uh, it was good. It was like I needed it got me a lot of episodes, got me a lot of experience. I was just doing Zoom calls like every day and recording them and then doing a little like through the introduction music, which I just created on, you know, Logic. Yeah, and... that was one of my first compliments for you. I was like, yeah, I love that music. <laughs> yeah. I, that took me three minutes. Yeah, right. I was it. like, I just made it really fast and put it on and boom. And then it was funny because in my head, I was already preparing podcast music because one of my students' parents was thinking of starting a podcast and asked if I could do some music. And so I already had like things that I was thinking about. And uh, he ended up not doing the podcast, but I ended up doing a podcast eventually. So I already had kind of the the chops uh and so yeah the podcast came out of just this sense of like discovery you know this curiosity about what are the next steps in my life you know like again i don't think it was ever meant to be like a like a forever thing either you know i think there's a lot of things in life that are not meant to be a forever thing i think that's one of the things that we get wrong in our society there's a lot of things we get wrong in our society you know it's a backward society you know um it's like you gotta stick with this thing if you're ever called good at it yeah like you know that's you know sure you may get rewarded for that but it's not in alignment with like authenticity or anything like that or you know things don't last forever you know like there's nothing 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 lasts forever you know things change like stars are exploding you know that those, we see it as like stagnant, but they're like exploding like a, like years ago, like like I don't even know a really large number of years ago. Yeah. You know, like everything's in constant flux and change. You know, and so it's like for me, thinking that this is the thing that I'm gonna do forever is is kind of ludicrous. Um, but that seems like a, a um, with your whole life. Yeah, I mean, you've, I've al- got you've a lot, always got a lot of pushback. <laughs> yeah, well, that's how it goes. Yeah, I mean, because you know, like uh, people being like, "You got to stick to that thing. You got to stick to something, Thomas." You know that kind of advice. And uh, I think that was a lot of a struggle. That was a big struggle for a lot of the things I do. Is people's opinions of that is like you know. God, you're so flaky. You're not sticking with one thing. You know, you need to stick with that one thing, and that is what you need to do. Usually, that there's people who have ulterior motives for that. They probably want something, you know, something with them. Yeah, I think it's more projecting. But 
you know, everything's like about other people, really. You know. I think I've just learned how to say no in the last couple of years. It's. I mean, that's a skill in itself. It's such a. You have to practice that. It's yeah. a muscle. It's like you can get good at that and then lose it, and then like suddenly you're just. I mean, yeah. That's. I mean, that's what happened to me recently. I think you know. Like, I was good at saying no and having boundaries uh, before the podcast. <laughs> Sometimes. Um, but I think what the podcast ended up doing was opening up a social justice thing. Because they didn't start off as a social justice thing. You know what I mean? You were just talking. I was personal in your development. To not yeah, right. You know? <laughs> and, like, and, like, even when I was, like, got into other stuff, it was, like, I was interviewing personal development people like if you look at the beginning you have speak for change it was like um like coaches and like people who have been successful uh, you know like your normal how you got there podcast right you know um like the, you know tim ferris's of the world and mm-hmm. the, so it was speak for change like the originally the name was just like how do you change into something you like or what what, what was the name speak behind for it change was because I, I, I was like really into speeches um so uh the idea before was like yeah i'm gonna do some interviews and then i'm gonna do a speech and highlight people's speeches um i didn't really like it so i was kind of like eh. but the name was good you know so. yeah so it's like all encompassing especially i mean with the social justice thing yeah and then the social justice thing came along because like ahmaud arbery hit me hard because i was running all the time and then that whole thing happened and i was or i heard about it and it was maybe like the one year anniversary or something where they're like run for a mod right and it was like people, what do you what, is, what do you mean so, so a mod arbery do you know the whole thing with him i don't think so so he was the guy who was running in i don't know some southern state and he was just running through his neighborhood and he kind of oh. looks at like a empty ha- like a like a structure of a house looks at it and it keeps keeps running you know um but two guys like it's on reports like he's being suspicious um, yeah. he's like a suspicious person so they pull him over with guns and shotguns and he tries to run away from them and they shoot he shoots him dead yeah you know um, and they come up and there's blood everywhere like it's a really traumatic scene and I just know that feeling because like I've run I've ran so many places in Santa Cruz and in Hollister and all these things where that was like a fear you know like every time I walk when I'm tired I have to make sure like everyone knows I'm exercising you know, because it's like when I'm walking with a hoodie and like sweats on and I'm a brown person in like Aptos or some shit, you know, or Scotts Valley, that's yeah. going to be like, uh, like, what's going on here? You know, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. If you're not on just like the main highway, you know, or something, if you're in like someone's neighborhood, yeah, I find myself yeah. in the neighborhoods, you know, and that's where I'm scared the most, you know, I was like, uh, someone's going to like. Where you should feel the most safe. Yeah, I guess. Um, I'm, you know. Yeah, in right. In general, it's like a homes feeling. Yeah, yeah, right, right. You know, and I'm just like, oh, God, someone's going to, you know, and there's just so many stories like that. You know, someone being pulled over by the cops because, like, he yeah. was just looking at nice homes because he was, like, trying to, like, dream of, like, oh, it'd be nice to have a home someday. And he likes walking in this neighborhood because there's nice homes there and like cops like just like show up you know there's endless amount of stories like this and so i just i got really emotionally invested and i was just like you know what i'm adding social justice to the mission of the podcast and that's when things started to really just like take off ironically you know um 
I just got really passionate, you know, and then um, started interviewing all these people, and then I kind of got, got typecasted into this, like, social justice thing, you know, which is fine, but, like, that's kind of the story of that. It wasn't, like, a intentional, like, this is what we're going to become. It was, mm-hmm. like, a... Well, it growth. just had to be... That was the whole point of the podcast. It just had to come out, and that was what because, you were thinking about. Be, because, like, and, like, the connection between personal development and... And, like, politics and social justice, like, how can people think those are separate? Mm-hmm. You know, like, that, it's just, to me, that was really baffling, and I wanted to explore that. When I started the podcast with social justice, I didn't even know a solid definition of social justice. I was kind of like, what the fuck is social justice? And that's kind of how I approached it. There's, like, tons of Which people. Which is curiosity. Yeah, straight up. I wanted to know what this big word was that everyone is talking about. Yeah, you either, know? either demonizes or yeah, like what is, is for. What mm-hmm. is that, you know? And, like, equity. For a long time, I was like, what the fuck is equity? You know? Is it equality? Like, what does that mean? You know? Like, all these different things that you get thrown around, and I just wanted to know, you know? just wanted to have, like, a fundamental knowledge of what these things were so that I knew if I really believed in them or not. You know, if I really thought that these things were real or thought they were, you know, something I should be talking about or something, you know. And so, like, justice, right? That's a big word. You know, like, fuck, what the fuck is justice? I don't even know if we can cuss on this thing. But, oh, please. like, <laughs> you know, because, um, like, that. And so I just wanted to know all these things that have such a deep impact on people's lives and then with our our current political climate you know it's affecting families it's affecting relationships it's affecting all these things politics is affecting all these different things yeah it's affecting your friends and everybody like everybody's touched by it now which it it felt like back in i don't know it was maybe back in the 2000s like i didn't know i didn't think about that my friends didn't think about that and like even adults in that time did not think about that you know what i mean they didn't think about it as heavily a lot of them. I mean, there's always people, but like, who do? Um, but like in general, it wasn't as divided, yeah. you know. And now it's it's like you are evil if you be- don't believe what I believe, you yeah. know. And I, I have a problem with that. And so, I I wanted to know. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to know. And I was and I look back and I was like so ignorant, you know. I'm so ignorant. I just did not know um, social justice and equity if, if anyone wants to know about that if they listen to the podcast from that period of time holy crap they'll like have like a whole lesson of like what the hell all these you started, things are you started base zero like yeah like literally i'm kind of just coming in because i was raised in uh uh politically my mom was not politically active she was very politically alienated did not want to get involved in politics but my dad was really right-wing i, would, I was raised primarily as a republican you know, as, like, kind of, you know, Bush stickers on my shit, you know, because of my dad, you know, and, like, he, my dad is a lovely person, um, but, you know, totally right-wing vibe. What do they think about this? <laughs> I have no idea what my father... Really? My mom, my mom has spoken to me about this. Um, she's a little uneasy, I think, but she's very supportive. Wow, this um, is this is uh, not something I was expecting to hear. Yeah, you you're really just you're paving your own way. You're never you're not tied to. No, my my other side of the family. The last time I've heard from them, um, 
was an email, a very right-wing, like, forwarded right-wing email, basically, like, just ranting about when was it racist to do X, Y, and Z, when was it environmentally, whatever. I snoopsed it. Uh, I looked online and, like, Googled it, and it was, like, everything about the statements were, like, riddled with not factual information, and <clears throat> they said it was... Well, what sort of email? Was they, they... It was just a forwarded... It was oh, like a got it. It was, like, one email. of those chain, yeah, yeah, but, like, it was, like... Specifically to me, they never emailed me, so it was like very like here you go, passive aggressive way of being yeah. like here you go, like we don't agree with what's happening. Um, and so I just responded with the snoops link, <laughs> and that's pretty much the end of that. Yeah. Um, I have no idea, like no one's like bluntly come to me and said things, but it's like you know. Curiosity. I have the shirts, like my shirts for the podcast mm-hmm. that say curious, right? I love it, yeah. And curiosity is like such a pillar of my existence that I didn't even know about, really. I didn't really think of it as curiosity. I've always been someone who's kind of like, I've never been a, like an intellectually smart person, like not like a mathematician or a... Um, like the best at some like some class or something like that. I've always been a creative person. I've always been kind of like an artistic person. I've always been kind of like a philosophical person. I like to think. I like to think of ideas that like sometimes are not doesn't make don't make any sense. You know, it's and just because yeah, kind of it's bra- just, brain gymnastics. It's like ooh, that feels good, mm-hmm. and it's like oh, but that doesn't really logically make any sense, and that's why I write. You know, so I can like let that out and create fantasies that are weird but you know curious i've definitely followed my curiosity and in the bigger picture of things it's always benefited me and so even when at the moment there's no logical reason like learning piano there are a lot of reasons you should learn piano if you're in music right like like MIDI keyboards, right? Just that's like a really good reason to learn piano. Um, but also like it helps you understand like how music is formed, how like classical music is set up, how jazz music, like different patterns, it helps you with all that stuff. Like how understand harmonies, all these things, how rhythm and harmony mix with each other, all these fun things. But at the time, the only reason why I wanted to learn piano because I was in a class and I saw this teacher just improvise in a jazz class i didn't know anything about jazz i was learning about jazz appreciation class and he just decided to play something on the piano that was his tune and i i have like a weird synesthesia thing i see colors when i when when sounds and music happens and it's just been a thing and i remember just seeing these like blues and purples and being like i need to fucking do that you know but it wasn't like there's was, sure there was maybe a lot of logical reasons to do it. But at the time I was a drum person. I was trying to do drumming and I was just getting bored, you know. And like I, I remember trying to practice jazz drumming. And then I was just like, Ugh. and I finally got the beat. And I was like, this is not rewarding for me. You know, like I got the beat, but I'm not rewarded by it. But when piano, you learn something, you're just creating this beautiful thing. And you're like, oh, I'm, I feel good about this, mm-hmm. you know. And so I just did it. I just did it because I wanted to. Um, I wanted to learn it. and But then when you look in the future, if I didn't do that, I would have never started the music school. I wouldn't have had anything to teach, really. 
you know, I could have yeah. taught drums, but not nearly as much, like, accessibility as piano, right, you know? So were your parents, like, is this curiosity bred by them, or is this just purely you, like? <laughs> yeah, my, my parents are very practical. Um, my dad, who raised me, he's not my biological father, but he's, um, he raised me, you know, he's my dad. And my mom, I wouldn't consider my mom the most curious person. She is, what, what, what they have taught me is like love. Like they're very just like, my mom's like an unconditional love kind of person. Like she's kind of like, sees the beauty in people. Sometimes she's anxious and feels things deeply and sensitive. Um... But like loves like unconditionally and it's kind of like magical in her own way you know like she's she like practices all the spiritual things without knowing any spiritual texts you know she doesn't read really um she can read obviously you know, she went to college and all that but she just doesn't you know she doesn't want to sit down and have to read you know she wants to move her body and move her hands and work in the garden and do projects and run with the dogs and you know like she wants to do things it's, almost, it's like funny, I remember just being like learning all these Buddhist things about mindfulness and working with the ground and working with these things and here's my mom doing exactly those things doing it, yeah. without any sense of like a Buddhist thought, you know, just in, intuitively understanding her connection with the earth. You yeah, know? I know that's what she needs to do to feel good. Yeah, you know, she knows that that's her spot. Okay. Um, but curiosity... I really don't understand where that came from. I think that was purely a me thing. Um, I was, I've always been kind of an introvert all through school. Um, high school was weird because I was just partying all the time. So I feel like it wasn't as much as my authentic self. Yeah. Um, I think we've talked about you and I getting in a little trouble in high school. <laughs> Jesus I think it's just you know just trying to get fit in and try to be accepted and then yeah. also just being a creative it's 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 hard you know I think junior high was really difficult for me um, but before then like I would find all the hidden spaces on a campus or a whatever like those little side spaces that no one knows about or behind a bush the uh, hedges or something this little thing you can get there and there's this little space back there you know I just find these lovely little spaces to be alone and just hmm. live in that little imaginary world of mine. You know, I would never... I wasn't the kid, like, in the playground going down the slide, like, running up the thing, going on the swings or anything like that. I always wanted my own space. And um, ever since in preschool, ever since preschool, you know, I can remember that. Um, you know, I remember just being myself. I hated explaining things to other kids. You know, like, if we were playing a game or having to use our imaginations and something, I just, like, I don't want to put the time in to, like, explain what... Hey, what's going on up here? Up here, you know, I want to just... And I've taught a lot of kids, you know, and, like, there's a lot of kids that will explain to you very specifically, like, here, this is what you exactly have to do, you know? And I'm like, I was definitely not that child. You know, yeah. I was like, just let me be. You know, I liked having, I liked there being people around as like safety almost, you know, but I never really, you know, and if someone, if a teacher saw, they'd be like, there's something wrong with that child, 
you know what mm-hmm. I mean? But for me, it was like this safe space, you know, just being... Just being you. Being thinking. you, you know, thinking and being in that imaginary world, you know? And I remember the most interactive I was, uh, was when they would reward you. They had a little track in uh, elementary school, and they would reward you every, like, ten laps or something. It would give you like this little foot or a hundred laps. I don't, I forgot, but this little foot you put on a chain and you get like a reward for doing stuff. And I would just like run around that track, walk around that track, you know, by myself. And no idea what inspired me. I think my parents were shocked. I think everyone was just, you know, like what the hell is going on? And, uh, but it was just something that it was so nice just to focus on something, I think, you know? And so like I was telling you before, these obsessive little pockets have existed, but I've never recognized it until 20 and then you know now 30 you know what's it what's your obsessive pocket right now <laughs> drawing and writing for <laughs> sure um every day you're working on a book if not multiple multiple yeah um right now my my thing every single day i draw three pages i have these big sketchbook pages like oh, about awesome. this big and I, I, my, I have to draw three of them. The goal, I have a 100-day goal. The 100-day yeah. goal is to fill up this 300-page sketchbook and fill up two 200-page notebooks of short stories and writings. And not, but in that, in the writing part, it can't be morning pages. Morning pages are like kind of uh, stream of consciousness writing, um, which I do every morning just for my own sanity. Um, but... It, that would take up too many pages. That I feel like that would be cheating for me. So um, it has to be like conscious. It has to be like some kind day. of writing, even if it's journaling. It just has to be conscious journaling, some kind of like reflective thing, or stories, or poems, or whatever. And uh, so it's like usually four pages of that. So my my every day is like three pages of drawing, four pages of writing, and that has like been so good, so good. Um, I didn't even realize how much I needed it. You know, uh, I've always wanted to draw my whole life, but I, I've, I've, and I've drew, I've drawn my whole life. I, like if you go back to my journal, I'm drawing all these crazy, weird eyes and spiritual craziness. I've always been a philosopher, so I've always trying to draw the things, but I never trained myself to be able to draw. And and every time I tried, I would just like give up. You know piano actually learning piano has taught me how to strengthen skills like even when i was a drummer in high school i was a shit drummer i mean i was good at playing beginning beats but i like hated metronomes you know all the things that make you a better drummer i hated um because it, i i feel like i wanted a failure you know like the normal mm, like yeah. oh i can't do this fuck it like i'm just gonna stick to something i'm good at and which was weird to come to terms with but um now I'm ready. I'm so ready. When I'm drawing, I, I mess up, and I'm like, you know what? Okay, let's try this. And then I get it kind of right, and and I create all these weird stuff. And what's what drawing and writing has given to me is it's a it's a it's a reminder of my authentic self. Um, I realize I'm much more weirder than I've been uh, presenting lately. You know what I mean? And way more darker than I've been presenting lately. And I, cause I was a goth kid in high school. And I was listening to emo shit, yeah. you know what I mean? And all my stories, I was writing short stories when I was 12, you know, and they were all dark. They were all about, like, people dying and 
Yeah, you know, finding a ring and going into their dream world and dying there or some crazy. The same way that my know? first band with my buddy, we were writing together, and I like look back on those lyrics, I'm like, Jesus Christ. Yeah, right. And so <laughs> a little much, guys. Yeah, so I'm like writing, and I find myself um, writing these stories, and I told Lauren uh, this story. It was, it was, this is like so uh, affirming, but also like telling i told her a story and i didn't tell her the story i just summarized it i was like oh, i wrote a short story today and here's kind of the bullet points and she was crying the end of it because it was so sad i mean it was a sad story it was happy i mean like the people were together at the end you know but like you know and i have a limit to my darkness you know i i hate i don't really like like gore like too much gore shit you know like the mm-hmm. when it gets too taboo you know like um like the writer of Fight Club, right? Have you read any of this yeah, stuff? Chuck yeah, Chuck Palahniuk. Yeah, it's like he lives in that zone. Oh, like that taboo kind of like abuse and like this kind of psychological. But I love his writing style. I do too. But I, I, I'm not. That's too far for me sometimes. You know, not Fight Club, but like another book that he wrote. I forgot what it's called. Uh, I read like, Haunted. Yeah, yeah. he's Haunted. But there's another like Choke. Choke. And, yeah. And uh, all these other books. And um, I think it's like that's where the border is. Like when you start getting like child abuse land and all these different things mm-hmm. and these like very dark human themes. Oh, some of it's good, but then it, it's like a it's like a balancing act for me, you know. Mm-hmm. And so my writing doesn't hit too far, you know, and, and I don't I don't like just like gore for gore's sake. You know what I mean? I'm not, yeah, I don't find enjoyment in I'm a stuff like that, but I mean, I love dark shit. Like, yeah, I, 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 the more I'm listening, I'm like, yeah, I was definitely a very similar kid yeah. in high school. I, I can't do horror films. Yeah, it's. Not... I mean, I'll do, I'll watch them with friends yeah. every once in a while, but like, I, it, it's like me visually like, li- like leaning into it. Like, I, it encapsulates my mind. It's not so much. It's yeah, I, I'm very similar. You know, I don't. My my dad raised me on horror films. Um, he loved horror. He loves Halloween. Mm-hmm. He loved horror films. He would take me to like scary ass movies when I'm eight years old. You know what I mean? And I was like, dude, uh, you know, not my thing. I don't intentionally go to horror films. I'm not a horror person because um, I don't. I don't. Uh, you know, I like Jordan Peele movies. I haven't seen. Oh, they're great. I haven't seen uh, the first one um, because it feels way too I'm, triggering uh, for me. Not- um, yeah. The one with the tea and the Why can't think white ladies. Well, no, no. It just, it, the, the name just fucking yeah, escaped me. Not us, not Nope, but the yeah. uh, one before that. <laughs> God damn it. Yeah. You know, the, the one that made him that, yeah. that genre. But when I was hearing an interview with him, he was like, oh, yeah, I remember the first time I made someone, like, shudder. And that was, like, a, a fulfilling yeah. feeling for him when he was a child. And I was like, I would never. That's not, my, that's not me. I want people to think. That's you like what, what I, I really mean? don't want is people. Yeah, sometimes I realize I say something so fucking weird and then yeah. it makes somebody shudder. I'm like, oops. Yeah, but like it's not. That's but that's not my intention. Like, yeah, my intent. Like darkness is, I think, there as like a teacher. You know, mm-hmm. it's there to teach us about ourselves. You know, and I love psych thrillers. Yeah, like that's psych, my shit. Like psych. And stuff, I, you know, when yeah. that, when she gets like, you know, uh, quote unquote scary in that shit. I yeah, love when it. you realize it was her the whole time. Yeah, yeah you know, like, like how this like it just blows your mind at the end. You're like, wait, what? Like, yeah, because then you have to like look back and see like stuff like that. Yeah. I am. That's that's my world. That's you my know, jam. When yeah. I'm writing, and it's like, and I've learned all these cool writing techniques. I don't want to get nerdy on you on writing right now, but like it's like. Nah, totally, I mean, I love. I love it's totally my. Like um, like Stephen King's book on writing changed 
like my writing dramatically in a good way in a good way just with like one of his things what, what is it called it's called yeah. on writing uh, it's so called on writing it's like okay. literally his it's a memoir and a writing book like it's kind of but his memoir he kind of just like shoves all this and it's written in such a god it's so good it's so it's so good like it's written so well you know it's like you feel like you're just talking with Stephen King and it's like you hear his voice clearly mm-hmm. Um, when you're reading, I read it physically. I didn't even listen to it. You know, I just read it and I just, pages went by and, you know, recently. So like the writing world for my, my journey, like when I was like in junior high, I'd write these short, dark stories because I was like, I wrote a dark poem and I kind of got like self fulfilling prophecy vibes. Like everyone's like, Oh, you're so dark. And so I just like I just I guess I'm dark, you know. So I started doing all a bunch of goth shit, you know, and um, started writing and drawing all these really dark things, you know, and these stories. But they were more like, and I loved them, you know. I mean, I actually really enjoyed them, and and like you know, I kind of got a sense of storytelling. And so I think music composition, I've always been trying to create stories. Um, with anything I do with music that's always been the thing and so I really have a good sense of form you know like beginning middle end right beginning middle this thing then end right so a lot of my compositions early on were beginning middle end beginning middle middle thing like a lot of cool arrangements of forms right but it's still you know when I look back at it 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 sounds structured you know like oh here's this part this part this part this part then end you know and same with writing, like, you know, I started writing, I have a, I would think of the end, and I would, like, figure out the middle part, like, the beginning, middle, end, like, a very logical train of thought, and I would find the creativeness would be in the middle, how do I get to the end, you know, and I had a composition teacher taught me, end, like, know where you're ending, so then you can figure out how the cool stuff to get to the end, hmm, right? Yeah. Logical. That makes sense. Just, and the yeah. teacher is logical, too, like, and so it got me somewhere, but I was reading the Stephen King book, and he was like, I don't get it when these people do form stuff you know he they, like you're intentionally closing yourself off to the muse to magic to the artistic to surprise to all these different things and i was like motherfucker dude like i'm like no i don't think that'll work for me but you know i'll try and so recently when i've been writing my short stories i just begin with a scene and i and i in my head i this neil gaiman now is vice uh mm-hmm. You know, he's like, he, he wrote like all these beautiful scenes when he was younger, but he would never end a short story. He would just have these beautiful scenes. And so in his head, he's like, I need to eventually just like end these end stories so that like I can go back and I can tailor it and all this stuff, but I have to end it. So my, my purpose right now is just ending stories, like beginning and middle end. Even if I like don't describe the scene, I think of it as a sketch, you mm-hmm. know, like a little sketch of what I want. Um, and then I'll go back if I want to make it cooler, you know? But, so I'll just start out in a scene, in a character or whatever, and and I'll have no idea where I'm going. I just let it go. I, I, I am wanting to surprise myself and wanting to see the beauty. And man, because in my head, my automatic, I, this should be the ending, this should be the ending, this should be the ending. Like, it's what's happening constantly. This should, they want closure. My mm-hmm. mind wants closure. But the ending is always so different than what I was thinking. And it's so crazy. And I'm like, I'm having so much fun experimenting with that. 
It's almost a practice to not figure out where the ending is. Yeah, and I and I and that's I, just very much you. I think I think that's a whole topic. Yeah, of this, yeah, you know. This, yeah, but it, you know the beautiful thing is like I was talking with another artist friend of mine, and I realized it's because this business mind of mine, you know, mm. this capitalist mind of mine, like there's storytelling and marketing, there's storytelling and business, there's storytelling and all these different things, mm-hmm. and if you can paint yourself having this story, and it's very structured in form. And it sounds really obscure, but it is that feeling of like, okay, here's this section, here's this section, there's here's this section, and we're going to connect them all together and like figure out this, you know? Um, like when you start a program, like this, this, and this. Like people want to know where you're going, where the end is. You know, yeah. if teachers ask like, How, what's your method? Why are you playing this game with my student? You have to tell them a story mm-hmm. of like this ball game that has rhythms on it is going to help them incorporate play into music. It's going to incorporate all these aspects that are going to help them with seeing this rhythm and then getting them into music in different avenues and different things. These are stories, you know? And so when I'm writing a short story, I immediately want to have the answer. But the artistic process does not is not in alignment with the capitalistic process. Mm-hmm. So the stories that we tell in capitalism to sell things you need to have being middle and end. Yeah. But the stories you tell for the sake of storytelling and art and all this stuff and, you know, creation, let yourself be open to the muse, to the spirit, to whatever, and and surprise yourself because there's things in here and here or whatever that are just, that you can't conceive you know, you just can't. You can't conceive it. You're not that smart, you know? You're not that creative. Mm-hmm. It's like something you have to let go and let let something else, like, get really into the character and see where the character wants to go. Not you. Let's see where the character wants to go, mm-hmm. you know? You're like, shit, I want him to end here and then eventually marry this thing and die. And then tragedy, okay? But then suddenly the character's like, actually, like, maybe there's a thing here. And he goes here, and he learns this thing, and he becomes this. And maybe that, you know, it's just like, mm-hmm. and then he ends here. And then this whole different world opens up. I love what they say in uh, Bird by Bird. I can't remember the author's name. Yeah, I have that book. I haven't read it yet. I have That's it. That's really good. It's, it's, um, yeah, every, it's like and something. Yeah, every every uh, character has their acre plot of land. Yeah. And what is in that and, and you need to figure out what that is and like who makes them and yeah. I, I, it's a very visual way of looking at because I'm a super visual person that's why I'm doing drawing too yeah. you know I'm, um, but you know I've never gone I, I love drawing and I take these pictures of yeah. things like, I want to draw like that you should draw you should just start now like I'm telling I know. you dude like and just like, it seems like so simple because it's like I just want to do like almost like black and white like negative space yeah. stuff yeah and I, I you know I love Tim Burton I love have you seen the movie Mirror Mask no, is that Tim oh, Burton? God, no. It's a Neil Gaiman mixed with like a bunch uh Jim Henson or his daughter or son thing. It's like a technically a kids movie, but it's like really trippy and really weird and it's like I've loved that movie since it, since I've ever first watched it and it's very labyrinthy vibe, I guess. Um but it's just digital and it's the soundtrack's really weird and it's like circusy and it's got these weird Mask. I forgot who the artist is who does Neil Gaiman stuff like this, um, where he collaborates with. But it's just this weird, kind of dark, circusy style, and then like Tim Burton style. But like when you look at their drawings, Tim Burton draws everything before he does anything. Like before he does any kind of film, you know, Tim Burton's like uh, 
you know, Tim Burton. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> just making sure. And, uh, yeah, so he draws everything before he even goes Because he wants time. to build the world first in, yeah. which, in which the people live. That makes right. a lot and of so, sense. Right, and since he's a drawer, and so he'll draw on everything. Helena Bottom Carter, his partner. Yeah. Was like, Which is, I love that they're married. Yeah, like, and I, when I found out. I was like, like, of course they two are. Two separate houses with like a community thing. They and do. Yeah, I think so. Oh, that's and cool. That was, that was so dope. Um, and then he, she's like, yeah, he draws on fucking everything. Like she's like, if he has an idea, he'll start drawing on a napkin. He'll start drawing on the wall. And you look at his drawings; it's so scrappy and weird, right? But, but you can tell he's a good drawer. It's like you could tell there's like dimension and there's shape and there's shading where it needs to be. There's dots where they need to be. You know, Allison, who designed the shirt, similar uh, blind That's so to sun. Cool. I was looking um, at that. Oh, it's the corpse flower. Yeah, yeah. Um, so she she has a similar vibe, like like where she her style is very like uh, simplified, but it's like everything's in the right place. You know, my wife, same deal. Like these artists just have this good way of looking at the world, but they know how to, even if it's like. I bring up Allison and Tim Burton because their styles are, they're totally different styles, but like their styles are like kind of, I wouldn't say cartoony, but like, you know, they're not realistic, right? Mm -hmm. It's not like a realism, but it's like, everything's perfect. There's like three dots on that toad's head. That's like, that needs exactly to be there. Yeah, the eye was... shape is perfect. That brush stroke is perfect. It's just every, every little bit kind of tells the story in itself. Yeah. And you could tell there's a lot of training that they had to go through to be able to do that. And that's like music, like minimalist music, right? People always talk about like Philip Glass and all these people who like just play like four chords over and over again. Because they're trying to create this this uh, picture, this motion, this whatever. And they're in classical music, like, that's not even that that good. But I'm like, you try to do it. You try to compose that music. And they're like, oh, when does why did he change here? Why did he change here? Why did he like Arvo Part? Why did he bring that chord in here? Why did he bring that string? It's perfect, mm -hmm. and it's like takes a lot of work to do something like that. It takes a lot of training to do something. Especially like that. simple. It's like uh, simple is not a, simple. No, it's like some of the hardest shit to actually make it sound good. And minimalist art, same way. Like just like that like circle on a on a paper. Have you tried doing an ink circle on a paper with like a brush to make it look halfway decent? To yeah. make it look cool. It doesn't yeah. work. You know, you're yeah. like, like I'm gonna do this. I'm like fuck. Yeah. And like twenty pages later, you're like, "Oh, that one's interesting. Oh, not the right one." There's something interesting about that, right? Yeah. But it's just training. It's the people's ability. And, you know, jazz musicians say it all the time. You learn a bunch of shit to unlearn stuff. You know what I mean? You learn like all the classical stuff. You learn all their scales. You learn all your stuff, just to like be able to express yourself. Mm -hmm. And every you know artist have this kind of motto: discipline is freedom. Right? The act of or like even like what uh, Ryan Holiday's new book that hasn't come out yet, but his title is uh, Discipline is Destiny. And it's basically like, you know, when you put discipline into something, you like learn piano, you learn your scales, you learn all the basics really well. You suddenly can be free. You suddenly can create these things that you never were able to create before. You know? Yeah. And so for me, my life has shown me that. Piano everything and so right now like there's no logical reason why i should be drawing every day and putting so much time into drawing it's almost like i've had to come up with logical reasons for like grants business things all these other things but like the real reason is like i need to do it like i am just too curious i need to be good at this or i'm going to regret some shit when i get older 
mm-hmm. you know, and and same with writing. I just need to do. I'm gonna just create. I really want to create like an illustrated collection of short stories, you know. But to do that, I need to be better, you know. And so to do be better, I have to practice, you know. And so I'm practicing every day, you know. Mm-hmm. Basic shapes sometimes. I have my whole pages are just circles. You know what I mean? Just like practicing circles over and over again. But now my cylinders are looking damn good. You know good. what I mean? Like, just saying. <laughs> and then cylinders are arms. You know what I mean? Like, right. you know, like everything is like, you know, and so you start to like learn how to draw based on these shapes. And so, I mean, everything is connected in my head. But yeah, it's, it's a long answer to uh, what is your next obsession because it is currently my obsession mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> yeah you know that makes sense yeah um well roping it way way back mm-hmm. to, to the podcast yeah yeah yeah. um so you had and you know i just i just got asked for you know sake of getting it out there um you had a video or a, a real or something go viral that really jumped up the podcast a video yeah, uh, basically, uh, what was it yours? I'm not sure, but I think you were talking about this one time. It was, um, yeah. uh, I guess, I think it was at Black Surf Club. This lady came up. Oh, I mean, I, I don't think that's what that that didn't blast the well, podcast yeah, then, then, up. Okay, but um, what ended up blasting the podcast up was um, the mural. Um, weirdly enough, um, let's let's talk about it. Yeah, so. I think I forgot who created the graphic. Um, it was a big collaboration with a bunch of artists. No, this is different. This is different. This is like oh. so when the the mural got defaced. Yeah, which was a Black Lives Matter. Black Lives in Matter front of the right in front of the courthouse or in front of the city building, and basically there was video footage because the young adults who did it like thought they were doing so something so cool and so they like videotaped themselves doing it and put it on snapchat and instagram and all this stuff right and then those videos got circulated and somebody took a screenshot of the person doing it and basically like here's this person's name have you seen this person like you you call this number blah 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 or like we didn't know who the person was at the time i don't think but i forgot it was something it was like a boring flyer that was like like white with the picture have you seen this person call this number and i think bella created it um and i was the only one who posted it so i there was being shared in stories and then i posted it i posted it saying like hey like have you seen it like call the number but i also put like listen i was raised in a town because on the truck was a big american flag you know who's doing this and i was like i was raised in a town where like i do associate the american flag with racist people you know, like whenever I see a truck with a big ass American flag on it, I'm like, that that to me is basically like a Confederate flag. You know, unfortunately, uh-huh. you know, I can try to rebrand that, I can try to think of that differently, but the feeling is true. You know, like that's real. It's a feeling, yeah. And um, so I wrote it. it. wasn't actually that long of a post that I wrote, um, but that post started being shared on stories and all this stuff. And since I already had, like, a big body of work with social justice stuff from doing all the podcast episodes, people liked what they saw. And, like, for 24, 48 hours, like, I would look at my phone and there were, like, thousands of likes, thousands of comments, arguments, threats, the whole gambit. 
um, questions like how can you Black Lives Matter people be involving the police like blah 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 you know like mm-hmm. all this stuff um, but it came completely viral it's the only post on my whole Instagram that's ever had more than thousands of likes on it you know and tons of comments of just like the most racist shit you've ever heard um yeah it was really weird um whenever you're opening up your phone it's just like here's like 5,000 likes and like 200 new followers 300 new followers like you're just like especially without like a bunch of hate and shit too yeah but it's funny it's like it really taught me about social media that like you know we're all like trying to get attention and I don't like social media, you know, unfortunately. You know, I use it. I try to use it creatively and compassionately and all that and vulnerably. But if you want to get viral on social media, you just have to, like, do some scandalous shit. Yeah, or, like, controversial. Yeah, right. And it's like you're just trying to get attention. It just reminds me of children trying to get attention constantly, you know? Like, look at me. Look what I did. Look at this. Look at this. Look at this, you know? And well, if you're not going to look at me because of this, I'm going to do something extreme so you can see me, you know? Um, the positive side of social media is that it's democratized a lot of shit. Like, a lot of people, like in Hulu, like, ironically, I started watching some shows this, uh, this break, and, like, a lot of actors are these, like, Instagram celebrity people that are coming up, you know? People are making appearances on shows and having their own shows with them being the stars and all these things, but they didn't have any, like, acting, the traditional pathway of an actor or anything like that, you know? It's all because of their social media presence. Yeah, well, you kind of have to turn into an actor, kind of almost a parody of yourself to make good social media. Right, and these people do do that. Like, they're good at what they do, but, like, it's it's like, uh, what, what time in history could, like, someone who just is like you and me can create some content and like bypass like all the bureaucracy of like schooling and having to make contacts and doing all these crazy stuff just to have your value be put into your your reach your followers your likes your whatever Mm -hmm. you know that's your value now you know your skill yes but also your impact they're hiring you because you have influence that's past them yeah, and it's they're giving they're getting free shit because it's on social media, which is yeah, uh, you know already like a, streaming is like a like a exploitative way of paying actors and everything, you know, like for movies, like people are streaming movies now, like Apple and mm-hmm. Hulu and all them and Amazon, like they're streaming the streaming everything. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're doing the new Lord of the Rings thing, right? You mm-hmm. know, but like those guys there's not as much uh oversight there's no like there's not many unions and all these things for those guys when it comes to streaming because streaming's new you well know? yeah now everybody's putting out their you know content making videos mm-hmm. for free it, it's in order to you know build their businesses yeah. there's, there's plenty of reasons to have social media you know right and so yeah the podcast got viral because of that because of some posts i was just like have you seen this person called the, the cops pretty much you know and yeah I, I had one thing go slightly, like, I was putting a bunch of reels out of just, like, podcast yeah. episodes, and I talked about j- this place not being fully gentrified in San Diego, mm-hmm. and I got a bunch of comments that were like, how is this not racist? And I just saw that comment, and I was like, oh, fuck. <laughs> I was like, what did I say? And then I, and I was looking, I was like, oh, it's like a bunch of people, you know, flags on the back of the truck. And yeah. 
And I was, I was like, oh my god. Yeah. So, and that, of course, that is the one that got big. Yeah. It's, I'm it's, like, it's the, all right. It's the ones that are like controversial, you know, like. And I didn't even think of it like that. I was just like, yeah, just talking about the word gentrification. Like even think about like Joe Rogan, right? Yeah. Like in the past, he was just he's just been he's just a controversial dude in the beginning, you know. And you, have you seen his first episode? It's like super janky. He's just saying fuck every other sentence and just yeah. like crazy Joe. And um, throughout the times, like, he's gotten big and bigger and bigger. But, like, a lot of his pool, plus it's just already celebrity vibe, but it's it's because he's controversial, because they talk about controversial topics with guests that are unedited. You know, like, mm-hmm. like top conversations that are just, like... Buck wild. Yeah, like, you know, just totally controversial, like aliens and shit. And, like, then, like, racism not existing and, you know, like men are being replaced and white men are being replaced and all these different things like he's just willing to talk about uh, he's interviewed some of the fucking anything. worst people on the planet too yeah and it's just like and some really uh, cool interviews people, yeah I mean, like, <laughs> yeah he was a bernie sanders supporter yeah Can i we think i'll just like think about that for a second yeah. like like, I think after he got a bunch of flack for that too, I think so he started going flack. way more conservative. Yeah, he moved to Texas, you know. Yeah, what I he's mean? like, all right, never mind. And everyone's <laughs> all like, like, why are you bringing your shit here, you mm-hmm. know? Like, and you know, he's like, he makes sense, <laughs> you know. And uh, it was so funny because then he interviewed this Republican dude the, on Zoom, his only Zoom interview, I think. And. Uh, oh, shit. It was hilarious. It was just like he was frustrated because he was on Zoom. He hated it. And the other guy was like, like, well, trying to debate him. He's like, dude, I, I met with Bernie and he said this and this and this. Like, why don't we do this and this and this? And he's just like, well, blah, blah, blah. Like, that's technically not a right. It was like all semantics, you know? And it was really interesting because, like, a lot of people assumed that he, like, was right wing, you know? But then, like, that showed that he wasn't. But, you know, he's definitely been, like, more extreme lately. But I think it's just because he doesn't like Biden. You know what I mean? Like, to be honest, like, Bernie was not senile, you know, vibes, you know. Biden's, like, a really easy, like... He's an easy target to be like, how is this the best person that we had? Yeah, to do the job. I was like, out of everybody... liked, liked leadership. That was his thing. Like, at least Trump liked leadership. Like, at least he was, like, thriving in it, you know? Mm -hmm. I'm like, that's not a good reason to vote for someone. But, um, you know, but that's the thing, right? I always call, like, there's, like, a demographic of people out there. I, I, you know, even locally, I call, in my head, they're, like, the Joe Rogan people. Mm -hmm. Like, they're not, they're not right-wing people. They're, like, left-wing people, but they have kind of right-wing ideals. I, and I'm, I am friends with some of those people. And it's, uh, yeah, and I think not blocking yourself out, but I'm like, Damn, you watch a lot of Joe Rogan, don't you? <laughs> yeah. Like, it's like, dude, you're virtue signaling. I'm like, what the fuck? Just don't, what are you virtue signaling? Yeah, what it's the like, fuck is that? You mean vir- you're trying to be a good person? Like, yeah. is that? <laughs> yeah, I'm signaling that I'm a good person. Or, yeah, yeah no, try and try like, to, like, make a better world. Or, it's like, like, it's like virtue signaling, like, being, like, it's almost like a cow. They're trying to say it's cowardice. Like, you're not being authentic. But is it virtue signaling if you really think, if you believe what you're doing you know yeah. like that's the problem i have with this these comments so. yeah it's all it's all buzzwords i mean, probably buzzwords. call probably calling them joe rogan people's not the the, no, the most eloquent like, way it's an, it's an umbrella I, in my head i com- no i completely like, agree I'm it's just, just like you know i'm like you know they're not you know they 
you know, they're already has they're hesitant about the mask thing usually. They're mm-hmm. hesitant about all these different things. They're hesitant about all these different things, and it's like it's just interesting because uh, I feel like that's kind of where I my mind was at when I first moved here. You know, or not when I first moved here, but when I like based on my upbringing in a right wing kind of household. And then kind of being more liberal, like, I do have those, right, like, I'm, like, a hard worker, you know, like, mm-hmm. I get it, you know, you gotta hustle and all that stuff, like, but, like, also, you you want. Yeah. but also, and then there's, like, kind of the, the European liberals, right, people who want this place to be like Europe, you know, who are, like, you know, a lot into social programs, Bernie Sanders, all these things. Public transportation. Know, public transportation, nice. <laughs> you know, like, all this stuff, and... But there's a lot of things in Europe that are, like, shitty for of business, you know? Like, you know, you have to be an apprenticeship and all this crazy stuff to open up a small business, you know, in certain European huh. places, you know? You can't just, like, start a business tomorrow. Yeah, you know? I mean, I, I grew up in, my, my name is Zen, I grew up in what I thought was a very liberal family, and then I moved to Santa Cruz, and I was like, <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> there are things that I said all the time that I cannot say here, and it was just... just purely the people I was around who were yeah. all also I thought very yeah. liberal <laughs> yeah and that's and that's the thing right and so I've had a lot of interesting conversations the past year you two years um on the podcast and off because what happened when I got blown up is that people know me you mm-hmm. know when I go anywhere like um in Santa Cruz County people people like there's someone I know you know yeah. like or someone who knows me there's like the majority of my followers on Instagram. I have no idea who they are. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, like uh, I have people who just yell, "Speak for change." You know, like they don't even know my name. You know what I mean? Like, speak yeah. for change. And I'm like, yeah, they yeah, know yeah. my face because my face is everywhere on my my thing. You know, mm-hmm. but they don't. You know, and so it was. It's an interesting transition, and I think that's part of why I had to take this sabbatical. Was like just the things that I was doing to cope in the past was not were not working anymore because of the amount of people I had to interact with or see or connect with so I had to just like figure it out you know yeah um well you had the introvert for a little bit yeah I mean it started it, it like it's it's shitty how sometimes some like things have to break or you have to like go through some really deep shit just to learn a simple thing. You know what I mean? Um, it's unfortunate because it's like, you know, sometimes you wish you could just learn things easy. You know, like just like okay, I got it. Um, yeah, you got it the first time or yeah, or near time. near it. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, but not not this not this uh, not this time. But yeah. luckily, I feel like I'm I'm better than I was. And uh, the drawing and writing is, like, saving grace. Yeah, it's, it's grounding you right now. It's so good. It's like I just have to do it. Like, I'll, I'll be up at, like, 10 p.m., like, just drawing the last page or something, you know? And just, like, sometimes I just, like, draw random stuff, you know? But... I, think it's, I think it's really interesting because normally what I, I – and I think you'd probably do this, too. When you get near the end of an episode, you're mm-hmm. like, okay, so what's next for this and that? But it seems like you go so deep and hard on something that it 
does well and you just kind of create an ecosystem that is just doing its thing because like the podcast right. so you kind of post whenever you want <laughs> now right that's yeah, hilarious it's not even like a um, like yeah now i'm like like recently i've been back into the work i have like eight episodes i need to post you know but i don't i don't have a structure and i created um i'm kind of shifting gears a bit to make it more of a like the production yeah vibes, what is, what is I, that was actually the whole reason why <laughs> <laughs> what does that mean um basically uh over the break i kind of realized like i i i need to change something you yeah. know again like the april 4th date you know um it's funny when isolation happens what what comes out you know what you realize you need to do and it's very reminiscent of two years ago when that happened and I realized that I need to, like, be more real. Like, and, and to be honest, like, the podcast is the, is the funniest thing is that the podcast has done its job. It's taught me. It's allowed me to be more authentic. It's taught me all the things that I need to know, and it's inspired me to be me. And so me may be different now than it was, you know? And so with the podcast I'm like you know I was going to do speak for change movement which I may do in the future but which is going to be more of like a service based thing you know having tough conversations all these different things interesting and um, I was like over the break I was like why the fuck am I doing that and I feel like I was pressured I was forced I was kind of like feeling like oh like this is what people want this is what the natural progression the progression of it but like I was telling you about storytelling, mm -hmm. you know, with that's the natural middle point. That's the ending. That's the 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 perfect structure. Mm -hmm. But it just took time to let myself be and like to let whatever happen and realize that like that's not what I fucking want to do. Like that's been something that I've been trained to do that yeah. I'm good at. But that's not what I want to do. Why would I want to do that? Someone else could do that who really genuinely wants to do that. Yeah. And so I was like, what the fuck do I want? You know, so is this just the... And so for first while, I was just like, maybe this is just the end, you know? This is just the end of uh, Speak for Change, you know? Mm -hmm. Move on to something else. Which some people would be disappointed. I don't really care, you know? Yeah. It's not, but not, it's not my problem. Yeah. Um, but I was like, later on, I was like, you know, I still like it. I still like vibe but i think i just can shift it a little bit if i commit to being authentic and just like mine every day you know and so i'm i'm using it now as kind of a production company we're going into film now we're getting a grant hopefully into expanding our film capacity we have cameras we have stuff and um just doing thought-provoking cool artistic films you know um you know it's it's funny it's like in the grants like we're gonna highlight bipoc uh people and stuff and just means diversity but guess what like a lot of my stories and a lot of stories with people I hang out with we need bipoc folks <laughs> you know we need diversity you mm -hmm. know of course we need that like systematically and that's great but like at the same time there's a lot of great talent within the bipoc community that we could utilize you know and so part of me is just like i just want to create man yeah like you know the real real like the authentic realness of 
all this and this is like this could be used against me or whatever but like I just want to fucking create that's it that's simple man like just just want to create stories just want to create art my whole life has been that way I just want to create shit you know when I went before music lessons music lessons were just supposed to be a supplement for composition Mm -hmm. I wanted to go to Cal Arts you know learn do all that music shit but I realized, man, like, you know, one of the most uh, inspiring things about going to Cal Arts is just funny because it's like little hints. Like, you always have hints of your authentic self throughout your life. People don't understand. People think it's like only at this young age. But yeah, a lot of it's at your young, young age. But like throughout your life, your authentic self pops in and out. Yeah. You know, like, oh, here I am. And then it's like, oh, back to playing this game, playing this act, playing this mask. And I remember seeing Tim, like Tim Byrne went to Cal Arts. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that's what I want to go. I want to go see his student works. They have this room where you can just, like, watch movies. It's so awesome. And uh, you can just, like, find, like, alumni's works that they worked on at CalArts. And Tim Burton was an alumni, so he has, like, all these films at the CalArts. Oh, that's that. cool to see. So I was, like, I was like, I was like, if I'm a student, I could see all that cool stuff. And, like, the artists and animation and all this stuff. And so at this point... I just want to make cool shit. Yeah. You know, and I make cool shit. You know what I mean? Um, like, listen, I'm a musician. I'm an artist. I'm a writer. I'm a business owner. I'm an entrepreneur, quote yeah. unquote, you know? Like, just, I just need an umbrella for all that to live and then be able to bring in other cool people, too. You know? Yeah, and I think that, that makes sense of the production. So you also do productions like you do the indexical yeah thing you literally do the shows every month like, you also bring people together for you know social justice things and yeah i mean that's like yeah that's like organizing right that's like and so that was like another person's recommended you should you should expand to be an organizer uh, organization or whatever yeah and i was just like no yeah that <laughs> even that's not me man. yeah you know what i mean somebody like, else can do that like like listen before y'all knew me i was like just boxing making music like creating like introverted didn't give a fuck about anybody you know um but recently like i got pushed into a community um which is good but also i've been intentionally open the past two years my 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 doors have been open yeah to anyone you know you understand because I was not raised with like this kind of sense of community. I have no idea how to function in community. And I had to learn that. And so for me to learn something, I have to be open to, to the idea that I can be completely wrong about a lot of different things. And so this past two years, I've been just been open. Mm-hmm. And, um, but that's caused a lot of weight, heavy physically and mentally and spiritually. Um, and I broke. You know, and now it's back to kind of like being a little bit more exclusive about who I'm working with, what I'm working on, what I'm doing. So a lot of no's. I've said no the past two days, like quite a bit Mm -hmm. Um, to things that from people who I truly love, you know, small things like, you know, little things that I could probably do. But I just can't. I just small things are not really small things to me at the moment. Yeah. Running a school that's currently like growing, 
and yeah, and then running a podcast and wanting to put that because I like the podcast too. I just I I want to just expand it more. And, I know. think yeah, I actually really like that idea, and I think that's always kind of where I wanted to take this is yeah. getting to hang out with so many artists and, and yeah. stuff like that eventually. But you know, like the editing is like a, sometimes a pain. Oh, that's why know? I'm live streaming everything. Yeah, right. <laughs> Like I'm not me, really giving people the for me, option. For me, like, the editing is, like, the... Uh, it's, like, a chore that you don't know. You, like, it, it's a chore before you start doing it. Like, when, I, when I'm in it, it's fine. Like, I can oh, do yeah. it. I can do it. Like, know, I gotta great. edit it. It's like, fine. Uh, I'm in it. I'm focused. I can do the things, and I get it done. And it's not bad. But when I'm... It's all about, like, oh, I just have to edit. That's what. That's why I stopped for like three, four yeah. months. I was like, okay, well, that's not fun. Yeah, and so now it's just like, okay, like my goal now is just to be way more intentional about guests <laughs> and like who I'm bringing on and like how much I'm scheduling. Because like in the yeah. beginning, like I said, I was doing it every day. Yeah. Like if somebody said I was scheduling guests every single day and posting an episode every single day, maybe missing a couple days here and there, but like for the long haul it's like yeah. it wasn't like once a week when well, now once a week it just feels like a drag you know mm-hmm. but like you know for me it's just like i want it to be more of a i want to see cool short films i want to see cool artworks i want to see cool events you know maybe you know i want to see yeah. cool things and then i want to see a podcast episode you know mm-hmm. I wanna, you know i want to see more diversity and, that, and that, that's kind of where i want to take this as well because like you know me like I said all these fucking amazing people but having your podcast become like the production center of like so if you're doing a film you can interview the people you're talking with and like kind of you're you're spitballing the creative process which is kind of right in line with your mission statement it's it's just so easy of a transition Um, I'm really stoked about it it kind of came like it was like an idea before and then it kind of like really solidified it like right near the end of my sabbatical just kind of like this needs to happen like mm-hmm. kind of the idea that i was like you know in my head there's always like all these good ideas but you never really you never like i've had a good idea floating around in my head for so long that i just don't know it's a good idea and then someone else is like you should try this idea and then the idea is just like whoop and i'm like that's a good idea you know but it's like it's like one of those like my brain's just crazy like that you mm-hmm. know it's just like it doesn't know what it, it has you know yeah and it just pop, it'll pop into your head through just, and that, that's the thing. That's why I love talking to people too. I'm like, oh yeah, yeah. I, forgot, I forgot I could do that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is like, like yeah, I mean, this whole world is fun. You mm-hmm. know, talking with good people and stuff like that. And I have a couple like my, I have a bunch of episodes being published, but after that, the schedule is going to be quite interesting. Like if I can get some people landed. Higher up people are so hard to land sometimes, you know, people who are all, like, celebrity-like. Yeah, you're going for more, um, so hard. uh, like, I, personal I, development people, or? Oh, uh, just a bunch of people I've, I've reached out to. It's, like, they always give me diplomatic no's because they're, like, they don't know. But, okay, they, so what sort of realm, though? All, uh, personal development, art, music, gotcha. all the things, you know, um, video, film, uh, and I've asked people, and they've given me, like, a no. Sometimes people send me, like, their, their copy of their next book, you know, to be nice, you know, like, for free. And you're like, oh, that's nice. But, um, I won't talk to you about it. <laughs> yeah, 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 right. But they, like, um, I think there's this, like, 
it's really cool to see. It's all, to be honest, it's actually inspiring to see boundaries being practiced. You know, like you have people who say like, well, actually, I have to write a book. This looks really cool, but I can't do this. I'm sorry. You know, like maybe try me again later. Or they say like, hey, like, nope, these two months are all booked up. Blah blah blah. I'm sorry. Blah blah. And so then you're like, okay, I'm gonna try to like be strategic about. It. I'm gonna like give them a, like five months in advance. Do that. Oh well, maybe you should reach out closer to the date. You know, yeah. <laughs> like, da, 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 da. Then you're like, uh, reach out closer. Like, oh, these months are just really, you know. And then it becomes like this like ping pong game, and like, but there's no straight up no's, which is interesting to me. Like some people are just like, no, that it's not an alignment, or like, like no, we sorry, we can't do this at this time, or they just don't respond. Mm-hmm. And then there's people like Brene Brown responded, um, Ryan Holiday responded. Oh shit. Um, you know. Like, yeah, and the Ryan Hall, they sent me a book. <laughs> it's nice. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, uh, yeah, I have another person who I really want to interview from San Francisco who's an artist and illustrator and social and uh, social worker and journalist. Um, wow. And she has her own podcast, too. Uh, but, yeah, she kind of gave me closer, do closer to the date kind of vibe, you know. Um and yeah, I just really, yeah, it, it's it's fun. It's fun to like talk with folks, and it's funny because like I just want to, like I've heard a lot of their podcast interviews. You know what I mean? It's just funny because I still have questions. I'm like, oh, I want to know more about this and that. Yeah, I want to dive in. A little you bit know, more and it's that. not even like I don't even care about like because I've seen people who've started podcasts and they have celebrities on their podcast right away, and they haven't gone anywhere. You know, they don't have as many fo- like followers or likes or listens it does not it's not a it's not a good route for success to like try to depend on your guests too much you know yeah what I mean? and i used to I did that at first and i was like oh it's not about that it's about like my journey with yeah, it like you maybe get a few new people but like it doesn't work you know like what what better works is your authenticity and then it's like just like you you doing what you want to do you know uh, hopefully the the world wants it you know and just keep creating and being creative with it you know what i mean like changing it up whenever you want to you know like i don't know it's just like being real but the like and so it's funny to me because i think other people may assume that i'm doing it because uh like i'm trying to get the followers or i'm trying i'm just genuinely a curious person yeah you know? well you're just really... you were just talking into the void at first yeah like, clearly you just wanted to get some stuff out and yeah. put it in audio and... and now it's more like a conscious thing i remember every two years i feel like um i go through a existential thing um like with the music school when i first started two years in i was like maybe this is not what i want to do mm-hmm. like i need to change something and um, and that's why I changed it. It used to be Thomas Patterson Music Lessons, and that's when I changed it to Everyone's Music School because I, I revisioned it. I actually went into, I actually started trying to do programming and robotics and stuff. Not, Full other direction, not great yeah. At it, um, but it was fun. Math was super difficult, and programming was a lot of work for not much uh, results, um, like C plus plus programming programming specifically but ironically like doing that shook up my brain enough to like rebrand the school you know it wouldn't have never happened if i did it and Mm. now it's like gave me a bigger vision for it you know and 
So it's like I, I trust those things about myself, even if it seems like crazy, you know, even if I, you know, come off as whatever or people because people always think they know me. The only person who probably knows probably the only person who probably knows me the most is my wife. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Out of everybody, and I don't think, you know, I don't even think anyone knows knows me the most, you know, knows me, like, too fully. But she probably knows me the most because she's been with me for, like, almost a decade. Wow. And, like, I think we're coming up with nine years of our just, like, meeting anniversary. We have, like, a meeting, like, when we met. Um, and she's seen Didgeridoo Guy. She's seen programming guys, she's seen music lesson guys, she's seen psychologist guys, she's seen Entrepreneur, yeah. composer guys, she's seen like all the different, like it was in my vows, like kind of like being like, I think I said something along the lines like, thanks for being with me, even with all these crazy phases and ups and downs, like all these things. Cause I'm like, first met it was Didgeridoo guy, you know? And then became like composer band guy going to LA doing these things then it was like it's counseling you know then it was like counseling land and then it was you know all these different things and even before we met it was like I was a farmer you know I was uh, this I wanted to go to Peru and work on farms and woof and shit you know mm-hmm. like all this crazy stuff you know but so it's interesting that you know she's seen all that so she knows when I like decide to do something, she's like, "Oh, he's gonna do this, and he's gonna do it well." She she knows that, and then she knows like, kind of just more my exploration nature, my, my exploring type of nature. So it's interesting when I meet people these past few years who think they know me. It's really interesting to me because they know me as podcast, you know, to speak for change, this and this, but they have never met. They never knew any of the other Yeah, the musician. And so and people assume things that you're just like. They assume you're just always trying to go out and social justice for everybody. Yeah, well, like, like, I remember someone being like, well, I didn't know you liked this band. And I was like, I know, like, almost every member in that band, you know, because mm-hmm. of, like, when playing on the street mm. and playing music at these places and doing all these different things. But they've only known me these past couple of years. Yeah. You know, so it's like people make these stories you know and so it's it's interesting to me it's just an it's a side note but it's interesting just to when you get a glimpse of how other people see you um it's funny how your role in someone else's life you know you're like the villain or the the weird dude or whatever like everyone has these stories you know and the more and more you're out in public, the more and more you start to you start to hear more of your own people people's stories of you, you know, and it's weird. It's just a weird experience mm-hmm. as being someone who's just used to just being by himself doing his thing. Yeah, for a very long time. Yeah, and now just... it's like everyone cares. Like you know, like, yeah, you know, like it's like I'm used to just like doing it. And luckily, I have people who are just like been like supporting and following and. Being super solid, despite all my changes, there's like it's like that's an ecosystem in itself, like curiosity, you know, staying curious, you know, mm-hmm. and so I love that brand because it's just like I can point to it and be like, yeah, that's just 
That's it. That's what I'm doing. Yeah. People are surprised by something. You're like, no, nah, I'm just doing this. There I go. He's just, he just does that. Yeah. And they but, accept it. And I like that, you know. Yeah. It's like, a, it's humbling. It's nice. It feels good to be seen as someone who's not just this one thing, mm-hmm. you know. I think people who think that way are, there is various intentions behind that, like you were saying before. But it's uh it's a closed-minded way of thinking change is inevitable you know mm-hmm. to to try to hold someone to something when they are clearly shifting and transforming just because it benefits you and your own mentality yeah, or constantly soul, yeah you know makes it's, sense it's like a whole thing so yeah you, you have a few shows coming up in dexical right oh yeah two I or three do there's three of them let me look at them <laughs> <laughs> And these are all interviews? Yeah, so... And Dexical is the uh, avant-garde... How would you even describe it? Oh, uh, so... Um, That's not the way to describe a it. A multidisciplinary art space that mm-hmm. features experimental art. Um, they, 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 What they do is they allow artists to experiment. To, like, you know, every artist needs that space, that safe space to experiment, to explore their own art, you know? And some artists, ex- like, focus solely on experimentation and experimental art, avant-garde art, all that, you know. Um, but then there's other artists who, who maybe are new, you know, who are who are just getting into wanting to push the boundaries of themselves and understanding and all this stuff and of their own art. And Index School is a nonprofit. It holds that space. It allows people to push those boundaries, you know. Um, so yeah, we host uh, Speak for Change live uh, there, where we do live music, and then we do a do a uh, interview or a discussion at the. I call them discussions. I feel like they're mm-hmm. more more accurate. Um, because you also you talk with the audience I as talk, well. Yeah, and then the audience talks, and we all talk. You know, it's not mm-hmm. like uh, here are these questions, you answer my questions. You know, um, and. Yeah, each one is so weird and different than the rest. I just wanna, I wanna make it more weird, you know. Um, I don't know how right now. Uh, I had some weird ideas over the break. I was like, you know, maybe I should just get like paper mache and shit, and make it like a whole stage, like a weird mystical, magical. Have land. you seen the David the Cho show? Yeah, yeah. I love. I he's, loved how he like did it while. Doing a portrait, David Cho, right? Yeah, yeah. I love that guy. I I didn't know about him until recently, and I fell in love with that guy. So you've seen you've seen the the show? I think I think some of it. Yeah. I mostly followed him on Instagram and social media, yeah. and looked into his backstory of how he like he was an artist and he had like this documentary film against it, like of him doing his art and all this stuff. But I just you know what I love about that guy is his freedom. Yeah. to be himself you know he's not trying to impress anybody no you know he's like literally doing whatever the fuck he wants and he was he was donating to charities and all this stuff way before he got rich yeah like he's 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 a gen he seems like such a see i value there's people who i have like idols of and he was someone i wrote down because when i when i see people and i can sense that they're just like doing them despite like Philip Glass, like he plays music, he's a composer, he's a very popular composer, but he plays minimal music. There's like a lot of arpeggiated sounds and all these things, and and uh, people look at him and they're like, oh, he's just 
playing the same chord over and over again or something. You know, they judge him. And his response is always like, if you don't like it, don't listen to it. Yeah. You know, um, Thelonious Monk, uh, one of my favorite jazz musicians, sure, because of his sound, but also because of his, like, his, his just, he just does whatever the hell he wants. You know, he, like, improvises the way he wants. He plays the way he wants. He created this whole new sound because he just does whatever he wants. Same with Philip Glass. Yeah. David Cho too, you know, like he just does what he wants. So I first saw him, I didn't even know he was an artist. I yeah. saw him on Vice a long time ago. Yeah. Did you do your No, you? no. He went um train hopping. Yeah. With this like, other guy. Sounds And like, he had like a mini drum set and he, he would like busk for money. Yeah, let me let me look him up real quick because I feel like this is the this is the guy cause, Yeah. No, we're talking about yeah, the same guy. Yeah, because he was on he's he's been on Joe Rogan too, right? Like, yeah. Yeah, that's the same guy. Yeah. Um yeah, he's and that's a, the first thing I saw of him. And then the years later, I was like, oh, he's like an artist. He just did that. He's like, I'm going to travel across America hopping on trains. Because he's a genuine, he's a, you see, that's what I'm saying. Like when, when art, when your art becomes you, mm-hmm. you know, when your life is your art, that's when you really start to get somewhere, I think. When you start to really embody being a, what an artist is. An artist isn't like your skills. You know, if you can draw well, you can paint well, whatever, that's part of it. You know, it's definitely part of being an artist. But what do you draw? You know, what do you write about? You know, one of the things about these past two years for me, being all in the community and doing all this stuff and having all this drama, there's so much drama. But I have so much content to write about now. Like, it's yeah. weird. Like, you have all these stories. Like yeah, and that's the whole point, right? Your life is your art. Your art is life. It mocks life, right? Yeah. And, like, that's the thing. And so... You know, when I see people like him, he's embodying that principle. You know, when I see someone like Thelonious Monk, he'll be like playing jazz, right? Um, and then like someone else is doing solos, he'll just get up and start dancing, moving around, he'll be like uh, doing this weird dance. You know, he's just he's just doing him. You know, like all those people who are just liberated. That's what freedom looks like to me. Mm-hmm. Is someone who can just be themselves despite all the pressures. Because when you get when we get older, it just gets worse. You know, people more pressures, more pressures to conform, more pressures to do something traditional, more pressures to be solid and stable. But if you continue to be who you are despite all of that, and still be able to exist, I mean, that's free. Mm-hmm. You know, that's freedom. You're not having to act. You're not having to like perform as like a different thing you know and so like all the people i idolize are people like that you know what i mean and so like david show yeah like that guy sorry i didn't mean to go on another tangent there no please but that that was like it was very inspiring that guy you know like i just i really want like that's what i want in my life Mm -hmm. you know if i had a goal like a bigger goal that's it is to be able to do that and i would love to have success with that i'd love to have financial success with that to have my own home and all that stuff you know but i just want to be my weird authentic self you know, whatever that means, you know, and feel like I'm, I'm, I'm me, mm-hmm. you know, and that's why I have to do all these dramatic changes, you know, it's like, it's like you're writing your, your book's a story, you're writing a story, right, and like, stories are not, they, they say like writing is rewriting, right, because you're constantly rewriting your, your script, your book, your whatever, and life is like that right if you're just if you just go off the first draft you know you're not that's not the that's not the book yeah you know and so in my life it feels like that it feels like i'm um like rewriting 
Yeah. Like, I'm like, okay, this worked, this didn't work, this worked, this didn't work. You know? And then other people are like, what the fuck did you just do? Or, oh, that's cool, or whatever. You know, people are just saying whatever the hell they want, you know? Gary Vee's like that, right? He's always like, like, when people compliment me, I'm like, cool. And when people, like, diss me, I'm like, cool. Like, he just doesn't, he's just the same. Yeah. Like, he tries to, he, that's what he teaches anyway. He tries to stay the same, not depend too just, much on people. Just what opinions. he wants to do. Yeah, just, like, doing the thing. Yeah, the other day I ran just talking to some random person yeah. he's like uh somebody recommended this gary v guy and i just I watched 20 seconds i fucking hated him and i'm I like understand. i'm like and so does he he talks yeah. about that shit too and yeah. i'm like i get it yeah I um, same. yeah and you know you were actually talking about this podcast and i was like how i mean you know it's hard to you're like what are people gonna think of me and what, what is this and that and you're like, dude, I deal with, <laughs> deal with like so much more shit on my podcast. So I'm just shooting the shit with yeah. artists and stuff. And you're like, yeah, I've dealt with like threats and stuff. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. That was doing that one viral thing though. And like over time, like when you talk about social justice stuff, it gets, it gets messy. Politics. Yeah. You know, if you talk about if you bring in politics, anything, it just people get mad. People get messy. People get things. I could talk to anybody. You know what I mean? Yeah. But like. I believe it. Yeah. People will still get offended by things, like random things. I remember recently posting. What did I post? I posted about the Uvalde shooting or some shooting that happened. Or the shooting that happened at um, Buffalo. There's so many shootings. I know. Country. You're like, which one was that? Um, the shooting that happened with like the white supremacist who wrote like the N word on his gun and like wrote all these uh, different yeah. things on his gun and streamed it while he went in shooting black people in this grocery store and like like if there's a white person there he just like did not shoot them he like just went around them you know um and this guy sent me an email and the like other people sent me like this is just false this is fake news like when i see you if i meet you i'm gonna stomp your head in or some crazy Fuck. thing i was like wow that's a really weird thing to email somebody but uh you know yeah some people are a little bit more than others what do you do with that to be honest like it doesn't phase me as much um what phases me is when the people i know when people i know are causing shit um that Mm. hurts more than just some random dude i have no idea who they are you know um yeah yeah because you're out there and you say a lot and you're in these what shouldn't be so controversial that are things so it's just it's just how it is i mean i get it like i understand like unfortunately i understand you know what i mean like and i think that's gotten me in a lot of i always want to be reasonable you know like weirdly enough um recently the past couple years i've been like really reasonable i've been just like somebody has a problem i'll listen i'm good at that I'm like a counselor at heart, you know, I was uh-huh. trained to do. And, uh, but people take advantage, you know, people hurt and people's trauma like come out in nasty ways. And, you know, um, and I just want to be reasonable, but you can't be reasonable with crazy sometimes, you know? No, I mean? you can't. And so I've just recently, I'm also just like not as reasonable. Like, I just won't talk to people who I don't want to talk to, you know, who I feel like. They're giving me a vibe, and I'll listen to the vibe, you know? Yep. Which I was doing before the podcast, mind you. Like, this is stuff I've done was, but the past couple of years. I, I, like I said, this is a new experience for me. I had to be open, um, but I became too open, 
And mm-hmm. so learning how to have boundaries is really important when you're doing this kind of work, when you're doing any kind of work in the public, you know, um, knowing who to surround yourself with and who to actually bring into your circles, you know, mm-hmm. it's super important. It's such a big deal. Yep. Especially when you're so out there and you, and you just got to keep being yourself and authentic. Like, yeah. Like, really I, wasn't gonna, I felt like I wasn't going to come back, to be honest. I was like, I want to just disappear. That would have been like way more easier for me um, mm-hmm. to just disappear, keep drawing and writing every day, and then maybe show up two years later as a writer and an artist or something. So, mm-hmm. you know, like easy. Yeah, there's, and I've, <laughs> I've thought about that too. I'm like, why am I trying so hard to be like out there and it works? You know, with the yeah. band and all that stuff. And there's this, you know, the Stoic philosophy of like, you, sometimes you just got shit to do. Yeah, like yeah. Uh, Marcus, <laughs> you know, Marcus Aurelius yeah. talks about that. I like that. Like the quote, the bees. Yeah, it's like the birds know. and the bees. Like they have, you don't, yeah. you don't see them just like chilling. It's like they got do stuff yeah and i like when you talk about other things too because i I think it's also bad to compare humanity to insects because they're insane (laughs) so rational i'm like i'm like i'm like i'm like i will not be compared to a fucking insect whose like whole purpose is to serve the whole you know like you know like i'm like uh, we live in too much of an individualistic society for this um absolutely so yeah I also have struggles with uh, hearing those quotes and being like, "Yeah, I don't, I don't want to be a bee." Yeah, yeah, you know. Yeah, um, get, yeah they uh, literally hive mind. Yeah, yeah like I want to rather be a chilling monkey, you know. Yeah, and then just, just do whatever do want. the thing, do the drama because we're too smart. That's why we have all this drama. Well, I'm I'm excited to see what you do. With that. I would love to get in. I mean, first thing I ever want to do is yeah. film. So that is why I bought this camera. And yeah. shit. It's like I want to do more well, interesting gonna, shit. Well, you're going to help me out then. <laughs> <laughs> no, it. absolutely. I think that'd be super yeah. fun, especially more experimental. I don't want yeah. um, It's It's like, uh, yeah, I'm going to do this Explore series in a couple of days on the 7th um, up in Oregon. I'm going to be filming the whole time. And, uh, getting interviews up in Eugene. And, oh, you, that's happening now. Yeah, it's happening because my car broke down before. And so uh, I had the funding for it, like I fundraised for it. And yeah. so I had all this money just sitting around for it. So here we go. Um, it's happening now and I'm excited about it. And I'm excited just to mess around with like filming, you know, like I have like a really cool lens for like. Yeah, you have a great camera. For like micro, for like you know, microscopic lens, you know, um, it's like a 400 millimeter, mm. like something like that. And so I can get like birds and stuff. So I'm going to try to like film like cool, like birds and like B roll stuff, you know, Yeah. to add into, you the, should call it just B roll. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be great. B-roll, yeah. <laughs> uh, it'll be fun. And like the moon, I can get really good sh- videos now of the moon. I didn't even think about the video capabilities when I got this lens, you know, like, mm-hmm. but now it's like, Oh crap. Like, like, I do, like, really cool, like, nature video vibes. Like, yeah. Like, hummingbirds. And they're, like... I love video, too. It's 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 also where everything's going, but it's just so fun to me. I, it's always been that way, you know? Yeah, ever you since can really this, capture somebody or... Yeah, it's just, like, I'm, like, really into artistic and, like, thought-provoking things. And so I'm, like, let's do that, you yeah. know? Like, yeah, I'll do the interview stuff, but, like... That's not really what I want. Like, I'm going to, like, make that weird, too. You mm-hmm. know? 
just put my weird on everything. And drawing is going to, I feel like intuitively it's going to help. Like, you know, with like just creating stuff because I can sketch down ideas and do whatever, maybe mess around with animation. Or yep. Who knows? But I really, and storytelling is, it's film. I mean, that's what it is, you know, so. Mm -hmm. You can't separate the two. Like. No, it's it's not a, so like writing is, is in my head part of filmmaking. You know, like you have to write. You have to tell stories. You have to see it in your brain um, and just write it in that descriptive way as like a story. And then like, you know, with the film, like, yeah, like cause I, I'll go out and do film stuff just for fun, you know, but like writing a story and like having a vision and then trying to like capture that and see what happens is like a whole nother realm. And so that's really what I'm excited about too. And writing every day has been helping me with my like imagination. And so like dreams are really vivid lately. So that's rare. That's cool. It's really weird. So your body's trying to, trying to do the thing. Yeah. My mind's just like telling me weird ass stories and I'm like, holy crap. Like I would love to draw that, but I'm not that good yet. You know, like I was like, Damn. working on it. Yeah, it's still one cylinder at a time. So good, like it's such a good story. All right, when are these shows at Indexical? Oh yeah, that's a good question. Uh, the first one I think is October 11th at 7 p.m. Doors open at 7, uh, and we haven't announced a guest yet. But since let's see how many people are actually listening to this, um, the guest is going to be for October 11th going to be Coffrey J. Uh, executive director of Hip Hop for Change in Oakland. Um, and he's an amazing dude. He does a lot of work around social justice. And um, and it has educated even me about um, how white supremacy has affected hip hop and how that has been like a real thing and has almost like given people the, an impression of hip hop that is not rooted in reality. And so I huh. think that is I'm, a big, I'm, big deal. Definitely piquing my interest. In. Yeah, you know, um, you know, someone who who wasn't really raised with that as much, but who who does perceive this genre as like, oh, this is what that is, and but seeing that like these like corporations own it and white folks own it, and the majority of listeners are white people and they're like white mm -hmm. men and certain age, you know, these, these Oh, and I get all this like this You're country like, rap now, which is like, well, no, like even just like, it, it's, uh, it's, you, we need to, we need to like, we need to, we need to get him on here to talk about that. I, uh, so you, that's going to be at one of the index school shows? Yeah. I'll definitely, definitely want to go to that uh, one. And the musical guest is going to be Lyrical Eye. He may bring in a special guest or something. I don't know. Cool. But um, he's like, he's been preaching about hip hop stuff for ages. And so he's going to be, he's stoked. Um, and then the next one's November 8th. And the next one after that is December 13th. Cool. December 13th is probably going to be a weird one because it's my birthday month. You know, so it's gonna be a birthday month. show. So yeah, birthday month. Um, I get it. Yeah, so it's gonna be a good show, December thirteenth. Uh, yeah, so come to oh, that. Yeah. yeah, I went to your birthday. That was a that was a fun time. Last yeah, you, yeah, you you were one of the like the people that came to my bonfire. Yeah, thing. yeah, that was, oh, nice. that was fun. Thanks for coming. Oh, of course, yeah, appreciated that. Um, well, speaking of which, thank you for coming here. Oh, of course. Thanks for taking the time. Yeah. Um, it's been super fun. <laughs> Of course. I feel like every time we get together, we <laughs> just end up talking for fucking ever. Yeah, that's great, yeah, and we could go longer and stuff like goes, that. Yeah.
No, I appreciate you having me on, man. I really yeah, do. Glad we finally yeah. got to do this. As soon as you came back on the on the map, I was like, oh shit, just I, I gotta go now. I was like, <laughs> like Thomas, let's do, fucking do this, man. I'm so glad it actually happened. Like, yeah. I was like, oh cool, this is this is awesome. I love seeing the studio, man. It's yeah, awesome. Dude, I, I wanna. I'm doing uh, renting it out for some photography people. Oh really? Soon, yeah. I'm gonna and I'm gonna get backdrops and stuff like that because oh. I'd want this to be a little creative space as well. Yeah. Yeah. Gotta move my drum drums out. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, this is this is breaking north. I interview artists and creators and love to get stories from them. It's all about stories. <laughs> and um, <laughs> apparently, yeah, no, that's, that's been the the overarching theme for this. Transformational power of storytelling. Yeah, that's and and uh, yeah. yeah, definitely. I, I love kind of what you're saying today about just. Just don't try to overcreate yourself and just see, like see what happens. Stay curious. You're very much about that. It's not just a slogan. It's it's pretty hilarious. Yeah, it was like the slogan came out of uh, just like oh that's what I'm doing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's what this is. That's, that's what that's what this is. So yeah. All right. Yeah. Thank you, man. Hey, what's up, Zen? Here again. Thanks for listening to the show. Just wanted to let you know again that we have a Patreon. Patreon.com/slash/breakingnorth. That is Patreon.com/slash/breakingnorth. Please also like, subscribe, review. Do all the good stuff for our social media. Communicate with us. And if you want to be on the show, hit me up. I want to check out your art. I want to check out your cooking. I want to check out what you do. Let's talk. Cool. Thanks. Mwah.